All right, everybody, peace. Welcome to the Sorry Brought You Show. Wherever I have you are listening, we're so grateful to have you here with us. As you guys know, I'm Sean Cottle, and I'm joined here as usual by the amazing, the wonderful, Mr. Fantastic himself, Dre Pennington. What up, y'all? What up, y'all? It's good to hear. Oh, sorry. It's good to see everybody. Glad everybody can make it. Glad everybody's watching. You know, Kashan, how, how was your week, man? You good? Like, well, you know, I, I know you was stressing about Alabama, you know, all that, but. Hey, we just pulled off a victory against Texas A&M, so I'm feeling much better now, brother. I'm I'm good to go, man. I'm I'm right now. I, I see everybody. I know everybody is, is wild. We got a, a third person here, but this is one of another one of those people who I say like it's a special one. Is one person I consider my brother as well. His family, this dude, all still got his arms out. Is killing. <laughs> <laughs> but this is my brother. He's family, just like you, Kashawn. My mom also checks in with me and also asks like, "Yo, hey, how is how's he doing?" This is my brother, Jimmy Witt. Um, and for those who don't know. He is a three-time all three-time all-state, three-time all-state high school. Huh? Should have been four times. Should have been four. Three-time all-state. He led. He almost. I want to say he was top five in the country in scoring in high school as well. Had over two thousand, actually twenty-four hundred points he scored in high school. Um, was a thousand-point scorer in college, and actually led the league in in Mexico in scoring as well. So. You know he knows how to fill it up. Like I said, my brother, Jimmy Witt, and welcome to the show, bro. How you doing? Man, we should have came in with a sexy red theme song, because I always <laughs> think, if you see me and you try to say what's up, ski. <laughs> we should have <laughs> That's my fault. Hold on. Let me lock in. What's up? <laughs> I appreciate y'all having me, man. See what I mean? This, I told you, this dude was just <laughs> wild, man. He started off crazy already. Yo, so a sexy red theme song is nuts, bro. <laughs> Because Drake got her on my mind because he put her on the album. We're not going to get into that, though. Well, real quick, real quick. What did you think about that album, bro? Seven out of ten. It, was, it wasn't It was bad. There was no bad songs, but it was mid. It was just like, okay, like, good job. <laughs> See, now you're trying to have all the Drake the Drake people come after us. Like, hey, man, tell your boy to get up out of here. <laughs> issue with Drake fans. It, it's like not every song has to be a classic. It's like they. It's like don't die on the hill of saying, that sexy red song was a classic. Like, let's be honest with each other. It was okay. It was good. It was good. It wasn't nothing crazy though. It wasn't no Rod Wave album, but look, <laughs> there we go. Oh there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yo, what the hell with you guys with Rod Wave, man? Like, no <laughs> He's the truth, because Sean, I'm trying to tell you. Rod be talking to my like he talks to my soul to like the bone marrow. Like that's how I feel his music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got you know to be afraid though, Jimmy. Uh Dre has been trying to put me on a burnt fast for like three years, and then I listened to his last album that just came out, and then that's what finally put me on to him. I'm not Brent. I, I haven't got behind Brent. I also haven't listened like that. So I might like him, but I just haven't got behind him for real. Don't worry, Dre Dre's gonna do your he's gonna do his best to try to put you on to him, bro. Because that's why he likes Brent. He's toxic. <laughs> 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 it's toxic. Hey, you're the first person to ever call me toxic. That is hilarious. <laughs> hey, don't believe Look, guys, do not believe this man. He's just like a Sean. He's trying to throw out this <laughs> campaign. Uh, two rules. No profanity and no lying. So we're not gonna start <laughs> off. <laughs> hey, but but Dre, Jimmy might know something. He might know if he, if he's the only one that's saying he might know something that we don't, man. Don't believe this man. <laughs> don't believe Never this man. believe Tell somebody you. that's wearing his strap back backwards. <laughs> <That> <laughs> Like, hey, what are we doing? 
the man has a strap on hat backwards. That's all I got. You want me to wear it for it? You want me to, you want me to put it like this for you? Now you're a, look at now you're a quality man. That's a quality man. Backwards is We're not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> that is insane. Do not let do not let this man come on the pod and be toxic, man. Culture. Don't do that. Um. But first off, Jimmy, man, we always do check-ins. So first off, I want to ask, man, how are you feeling? Mentally, how how you been feeling mentally? Mental strong right now. I'm in that. I feel like pe- there's phases of, of life and you have the highs and you have the lows, but most of it's lived in that middle ground. So I'm in that middle ground where it's like, it's all about perspective. So it's like you yeah. could, when you're in that middle ground, I feel like people get complacent. You get to being like, ah, it's not exciting today. Or you can start to look at like the bad things going on. But I'm one of those like, when I'm in this middle ground, I'm always looking out about the people I have in my life, the things I'm doing. So it's like everything's on a good track. So I feel great currently at the moment. There we go. And then, Kashan, what about you? How you feeling mentally? Yeah, I'm in a great space, man. Um, I'm good. Uh, just trying to focus on being the present moment, man. Like that's something I've been struggling with like the past couple of weeks. So like being intentional about what my focus is going towards and being intentional is something I've been trying to focus on, but. I'm great though, man. You know I'm blessed to be here, bro. So there we go. We love to hear that. What about physically, Jimmy? How are we feeling physically? You see the cutoff, man. You see the cutoff. That's <laughs> why we come on. You see the cutoff. I'm just gonna leave it at that, man. You see, <laughs> you see the hold on. Let you no know, look, <laughs> look. I'm gonna I'm chill. I'm gonna chill. You right? <laughs> we good though. Sean, <laughs> how you feeling physically? <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought, man. But um. <laughs> I'm good. I uh, you know, Jimmy's funny, bro. I got in the hot tub today, hit the sauna. So you know, Saturday's my recovery day. So I'm good, bro. I'm good. Here we go. Jimmy, spiritually, how we feeling? You know, I got that good devotional in every morning. Got my prayers in. That's going really good. That end, I want to say the past two years, I really been on it hard, like a hard grind spiritually. So that's actually the best part of my life currently. Mm, anything specific that led you to like? It sort of made you like focus in on that more. That's probably getting to like the career, how my life has gone. But there was a moment where uh, I was sitting on my couch at my mom's crib, and like I felt not like like not I felt down bad, but like I've never felt the point to where my soul felt like it wanted to cry, and that's how I felt in that moment. And then I was like, Lord. I only got two options and I was just like, I gave all my life, everything that was happening, career, personal, everything. I was like, I'll give it to you. And whatever you give me in return, I'll say it was from you. And I'll do my best to like, keep looking towards you and promote that and put it out there. But that's like detail, but we can get into it more like later. But that is the main point in my life, like that moment. Beautiful. You love it, Sean, how we feeling spiritually? Spiritually, I'm good, man. Um, you know, I was talking to my sister today um, on the ride down to my mother's house, and she was she was talking about the importance of like enjoying the relationship with God and not just using it as a means to like get what you want. And so that's why I love what Jimmy said just said, man, like the importance of like giving yourself to God, like for the peace of mind, not for what you get in return. So like just how Jimmy found that peace. And like the relationship, I'm learning to be intentional about focusing on the relationship with God and not like what he's giving me in return. Cause like what you what I realize is like 
we can have all the physical stuff, bro. But like for me, like I don't really find anything of value in it. Like it fades over time. But that that relationship with God, man, is like has been for me the most consistent thing that gives me like joy. So like really appreciating that and paying attention to that is has been my focus. But dude, like I'm I'm blessed though, bro. Love to hear that, man. Especially for both of y'all. Love to hear that. Wait, 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 Trey, wait. You you asked me all this old questions. Yeah, well, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming up. Uh mentally, bro, I'm I'm in a good space. Uh I'm a, I'm at a I'm at a good, actually not good, but great space. It's been a great week. Uh been a lot of celebration, a lot of you know, heartaches and, and getting over them, but you know, we learning from them. That's why I said it's just it's getting better each week this week. Physically. I'm in that gym every day, uh, lifting, lifting them weights. I got my accountability partner on here with me, so he, mm-hmm. he I'm accountable. Hey, tap, we gonna tap you in too. We gonna <laughs> the on the train. Yeah, and then spiritually, man, I, I'm always gonna be good. Um, I woke up today, man. Like I don't, even if I'm I'm feeling like down or anything like that. The first thing I do as soon as I wake up is I pray and I talk to God and I just have my my prayer and talk to Him for ten minutes. If and I say to myself, that's something I can give him every day. If I can watch some on my phone for 10 minutes, if I can sit and like watch TV for 10 minutes, I can sit there and talk to him for 10 minutes. So that's the first thing I do every day. And I make sure I do it. And, you know, man, I got to talk to my grandmother today. So like that made me even more happy. So like that was my day today was just great. That's all I can say. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Um, Dre, I just, you know, I'm kind of curious you know, where... Cause obviously you and Jimmy go way back, man. Like what? <laughs> what was the genesis of your guys' relationship? It is wild to say. So look at listen to this. We are at the great Hickman High School. You know the great. Well, we we made it great. We made it. We had fun at it. We got. So, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be real. It was boo boo. Seven years. <laughs> we back for seven years straight or something crazy by our rival school. He he's making it worse. But the first time we met, we were sitting on uh, we were wa- sitting watching a game, watching Hickman Hickman play, and we just started talking and having a conversation. I had no idea who it was. I knew Jimmy's older brother first, and then we sat there, we talking, chatting it up, and I was like, "Yo, you kind of like this dude's kind of cool." And ever since then, <clears throat> we've been cool, chatting. We text almost all the time, and we just like we just be kicking it every time we can. The real story is that was like the soft version. The the rated R version is uh Dre saw me and he was like, You're the realest dude I've ever met. Like, bro, like <laughs> like you're younger than me, but like I haven't met any real dudes like you in a minute. And I looked at him and I said, dude, a little lame, but like I rock with you. Like, this like dude is, hey, don't believe, like I said, don't like, believe I'm like dang. So he's cool. And I was like, that's my dog. And then it grew from there, you know, some house parties. A lot of house parties. Dre was the person I used to sneak out my house to go to parties with. And wow, hey, that's a- my mom sees it, she's gonna hit you up, Dre. One hundred percent, she's gonna text me like, "So you, so he used to stay at your house? We'll go out." Yeah. Huh? I'm like, right. Dre, I was going at all. Past one a.m. <laughs> we, I will say, when he was kicking it with me, we was out and about almost yeah. Friday, <laughs> Saturday night. <laughs> It's the next day and everything. We'd be like, ah, we and it was because okay. I don't know if uh everyone's school was like this, but when I was a freshman, I wasn't at Hickman like with Dre. Like we had the junior high, so I was still at West. Mm. 
So, like, I didn't get to hang out with the people I was, like, playing with my freshman year unless it was, like, after school or something. Because I used to bus to Hickman uh, my freshman year. That is an interesting setup, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, it's weird. Um, I think it's, like, one of the only things that Missouri still does. Well, they used to, especially yeah. in Columbia. How they used to do that. I don't know if they do that a lot of places anymore, but. Oh, that was like, Dre, that was like literally when I talk to people, they think it's the weirdest thing ever yeah. that we did 10th, 11th, 12th, and then we had 8th and 9th out of school, and then 6th and 7th out of school. Whoa, yeah. wait, so 8th and 9th, or they have their own school? Yeah, so we were junior school. high school, quote unquote, junior high school, 8th and 9th. Oh, wow. Wait, wait, how does that, then how does that affect like, recruiting at all like if coaches want to come see you play like does that does that affect it that at all well, I feel like I don't know I don't Drake can attest to his part but I feel like when I was coming up like it was like rare for a freshman to go play because it, it was like an idea of you were playing up so it's like you weren't even playing at your school you were playing up at the high school so like it was like rare when I was coming up I'm pretty sure Dre my freshman year I was the only one from like west or whoever or oakland that even played up at hickman yeah and then the year before that it was chris yeah my sophomore year chris's freshman year he was the only one that was uh that was there chris is another one great dude also used to come and sleep on my couch as well stay at my house as well be the wild wild times <laughs> my, my mom and my pop's house used to be packed with my teammates and they'd be like well wake up next day they'll be cooking and everything for us and i just be like all right it is what it is but yeah they uh that like those two you and you and chris were the only ones who really did that my actually all my years at at, uh, at hickman i felt i feel like this is such an interesting thing because nowadays i feel like a freshman playing at high school is just so normal yeah but like my perspective on it when I was coming up was like Dre was saying, like it was like rare. Like you were one of them dudes if you were playing up at the high school. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You you was you was getting the series bucket or you was you was killing if you were you, playing as a freshman. Yeah. Was it a huge transition though? Like was it a huge gap in talent between the ninth graders and then you know the tenth, eleventh, twelfth graders? I feel like when we were split, it was only because like so on a daily basis, I'm going to score around like eighth and ninth graders. So it's such a it's like even basketball aside, it's a different feel. When I leave school, everyone just seems older and like bigger. Like everyone just seems so much more grown than me because that's what I was seeing on a daily basis. That makes sense. But so was it was it a difficult transition for you then when you first started? Well, I don't even think Dre knows this, but when I first started playing, my dad used to tell me, like, your role is going to be if you want to play varsity, just give the ball to the older dudes. Like, I didn't even expect to, like, come in and, like, oh, I'm going to be killing. I was just like, if I can play and just give, like, the Quan, L, and all these guys the ball, I was like, I'm cool with that. It just so happened as the season went on, it was like, dang, I'm low-key better than y'all. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm playing. <laughs> No, but as the season went on, I just got more confident in, like, scoring and just playing my game. And then my role just increased from there type deal. Yeah. So I would say my um, – this was my – your freshman year was my junior year. As yeah. they kept going, like, the upperclassmen, they they got – they were getting hurt. 
some people weren't just showing up as much, like just the, the little things like that. And then you could just see that Jimmy and our and our other guy, Chris, just started blossoming and they just started doing going to work on people, being honest. Um, I want to say you led you led our team in scoring, didn't you? Yeah, like 13-8 or something that year, like around yeah. 14. Wow. Yeah. yeah, like they they started just going going crazy. And then what was even more funny though, we started playing like really, really like good teams, like top-notch teams. And it went from like like my year before where I was like, dang, like we not, we not really killing like that. Like we not really in the game. It went from that to oh no, we're in here. Like we got this, like we, oh, we yeah. And like you could just tell as they grew, our team grew, like confidence wise, like guys um started playing playing their roles even better. And people had new roles, but then like their new roles fit them a little bit more. And they started just getting in more confident in their new roles. I would say that. And that that honestly started because Jimmy started growing with his, like he just started growing more confidently. Uh we started trusting in him more, him and him and Chris more. And then we, and I will say, like, we started uh, trusting in our coach, Coach DJ, who's now retired, shout out to one of the best coaches in, in, in uh, actually, Missouri history, being honest. Yeah. But, two years, you're two years, junior, senior. I'm almost positive we only lost, like, four games. And they were all in, like, state. Like, yeah. We got, actually, well, I'll take, I'll take that back. I'll take it back. My junior year, we were, like, we were on the rise. We just didn't realize it. My senior year, Kashan, I, I tore my ACL. I didn't get to play that full year, but you could tell that our team was just different as a whole. Oh, and like quite honestly, we went what 27 and three? Yeah, working, working. Only public school that was in the final four. Like we were playing great private schools, which I still don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. As a competitor, <laughs> I know how I feel, but when I take that aside and I look at the kids there now, I don't know how I feel. <laughs> Wait, you gotta elaborate on that, man. <laughs> Bro, so, so I don't care who you put me up against. Like if Le if they brought Braun in his prime down to play against us when we were in high school, I'm down for it. But when I put that pride of like a player aside and I'm looking at kids that like I have no skin in the game, it's like you're putting kids that like we get who we get at a public school. Like we don't get to pick and choose players. And you're playing against nowadays AAU teams. Like, I'm watching full kids go from the Eagles, St. Louis Eagles, EYBL, and then come and play in high school together. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this when you – little Johnny, I don't know what little Johnny do during the – you know what I mean? A public school, reality is you may have three good players, two really good ones, especially in Missouri, and Drake can attest. Usually it's like you get two, like, diamonds where you're like, ooh, these dudes is real tough. And then, like, a guy that's playing football, baseball, and soccer is also, like, playing 40 minutes a game. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so even when you guys were in high school, was there – I don't want to say corruption, but, like, Jim, like you said, like, guys are, like, kind of – like, basically connecting behind the scenes on, like, where they'll be playing at for high school. Like, so that's sort of level of corruption still going on at that time. Yeah. That 100% was happening. I think, um, who was it? Who When we were in state, it was us. We were the only public school. And then who else was it? The first year was us, Vianney, Desmet, and Rockhurst. Yeah. And so and those other three teams are all private schools. All can recruit. They've all probably been playing with each other on AU teams or, like, different, different teams like that since they were in probably, like, sixth, seventh grade. And we were just all thrown together. 
realistically just a bunch of guys just from around like down the street from each other hanging out and all yeah. on the same high school team. So did so so did you guys feel like a sense of like accomplishment? Did you guys ever hang oh, with yeah. those teams? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause we it wasn't that we were just beating them. I want to say we beat Vianney by what 30? We we like we were dogging teams yeah, we and were. we played so unconventionally. Like there was no real structure to our offense. It was just that our defense was like, hey, we're gonna trap you every single second of the game everywhere over the court. And we would average like 30 steals a game. <laughs> Straight traffic, no bigs. Everyone at least tallest person is like six four. So, so, so I want to say, I want to ask this, Jimmy. What game? Like, I can, I think I can remember it in my head. But what game do you think my your your sophomore year was like? Oh wow, we have a chance to be like really special. When you were just like, wow, like I, I think we can do something great. It wasn't even in the season. It was when we went to Atlanta. Okay, I remember that. And we went to that uh, little—I don't even know what you call it. It's not—it's not like a tournament. It's just a camp, like a team camp. Mm-hmm. And when we were when we got there, like you know how Atlanta can get—they got some—they got some dude, they got some dogs up there. But they all got that like, who are these dudes from Columbia, Missouri type deal? And when we got that there, I, right. <laughs> I remember them being like, "Hey, these teams that are here, like, were really good or went far in state or something." And they were talking crazy to us the first game on the court. Like, hey, we finna smoke these dudes. Like, whoop-de-whoop talking. And, you know, we like, hey, bro, I don't know if y'all think we soft or something. Like, just that we're from Columbia, Missouri. But it's not going like that. I remember the first game we were getting into it. Like, we almost fought that team after. And then after we dogged them, I just remember uh, Coach DJ looking at us and be like, hey, y'all might be worth something this year. And then, like, that whole team camp all weekend, we were tearing teams up and just talking crazy to them. And what was funny was, so one of the teams we played, I, I can't remember who, who it was specifically, but they were like the five-time state champion in the state yeah. of Georgia. And it was at Georgia State team camp. And when I say we, like, not only did we, like, beat this team, but we beat them, like, handily. Like, it was probably about, like, 10, 10 plus points. Dudes were getting like doing pretty much whatever they wanted. And we were just like, that was when I that's when I realized I was like, oh, we're about to be nice. Like, we about to be super nice. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> it was crazy. So then we, I think when we first got back to Columbia and that season started, um, I played in the team camp and everything. We I tore my ACL in in like our kind of our like one of our, our open gyms. And then those first 10, 15 games. I just remember watching our team and I was like, I said, oh, the first the first five to ten games will tell us everything. But one of the things that I could see that was like real special was that Jimmy and our other guy, our backcourt, Jimmy and Chris, just started gelling so well. And Jimmy was was just killing like he was anybody you put him in front of. They couldn't stop him, couldn't stay with him. And I'll, all you just hear me is on the bench. I'm like, hey, bro. You really gonna let him try and guard you like that? Like, bro, what are you doing? Come on, kill him, kill yo, stop playing around, kill them, like stop, stop doing that. And so those one of the things I wanted to ask you was just like, as far as for in high school, what was like some of those motivations that that you just had? I think motivation was the one was like the Rockbridge thing. Cause we didn't before I got there, we hadn't won in like ye- like seven years. I- I'm pretty sure it was a seven-year streak, which is like unheard of. 
And it was just, and you know the dy- the dynamic between Hickman Rockford. It's like it's it might be like 1960s type energy. <laughs> no, it's wild. No, it's very you know wild. I mean? like, it, it's just like I ain't like it. And I didn't like that they was smacking us. I think that was motivation really wanting to beat them. And then I think it was after my freshman year, the leading and scoring thing, and then the the confidence that like y'all put into me of being like, hey, bro, like you're one of those dudes. Like, go out there and hoop. And I think I think confidence that other people put into you, it's like a risky thing, but when you get it. And, like, you go out and play no matter what sport it is. It can, like, turn you from being good to, like, crazy good. Like, going out there and just playing freely is something that, like, I wish more coaches would do in turn. But that's, like, a whole different conversation. But that was the point of your question was it was, like, y'all and then the Rockridge thing really, like, motivated me to be, like, yo, we need to turn up this year. Yeah. Because, uh, Sean, when I say, like, in, in the thing is, like, Rockridge – I think every year it was no matter how good like teams they like teams at Hickman they had, they just couldn't get past one team. And it was it was crazy because like they had we had probably like some of the most some of the most talented guys I've ever seen play basketball, like just were pure, pure athletes, like could do just about anything on the court and couldn't get past this one team that just for some reason outsmarted them in just about everything. And next thing you know. That one year changed just about everything for us. It really did. It really did. So, Jimmy, so was there a point, and this is, so, Dre, this is your senior year, right? Still yeah, this is my senior year. So, Jimmy, so at what point did you, like, was there a specific game or a specific, specific moment in practice? Like, was there a moment where you told, when you finally realized yourself, like, yeah, like, I can play at the next level. Like, I'm good enough to get to the next level. Like, was there a specific moment where that occurred? It was uh, freshman year is when I was like, oh, like I, I could actually play Division One and like this, that, and the third because Wichita State came to one of our practices. Uh, I think Dre remembers this. They came, they watched us like a, do an open gym or something. That was where I got hurt. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, they offered me like right after the open gym, they were like, hey, this is when Greg Marshall was there too. Wow. So okay. the gym, like, uh, we want to offer you a scholarship. And I was just like, dang, like, cause in my family, that was like unheard of. Like no one had ever got that or done that. So it was just like a dang, like this. Okay. And then after that, um, I went to, that's when I went out of the city to play like AAU that summer. And that's when things like blew up. So, and jumping off that for AAU, who, who'd you play where you were just like, a, like, I like who who's the one guy that you like you see now and probably like the NBA or anywhere else where you were like, hey, I played against him and I like matched up and did everything like I gave him all he could he could like handle. Who are the guys? I, I played against Alonzo Trier. I don't if y'all remember him. He was yeah. like a bucket, especially in AAU. I played against Lenny. <laughs> I played against um Alonzo Trier, Malik Newman. That's my dog. Shout out Malik Newman. I played against him. That's when he he led that year too, my senior year in scoring. He was only he was like one of two people above me. Ivan Rab, I'm pretty sure Ben did we play Ben Simmons? No, we played Ivan Rab though. If y'all remember him, dude from Oakland. Oh, yeah. He was I think he was number one in uh in the country at a point yeah, in time. That, yeah, he was for a, a while. Um just guys like that. I did we play against 
I'm pretty sure Tyus Jones' little brother at one point, Gary Trent, um, OG. We didn't play him in the summer. I played him in high school. So, like, we played against some dudes in the summer, thinking back. It was definitely some good competition. Did you always – so whenever you matched up against guys, like, from that caliber, did you ever feel like there was a talent gap between those guys and you, or did you always feel like you can handle No, I felt like I was right on par. With, with them, especially in AAU when we I got to play with, like, really good players and then we're matching up against these guys and, like, at these little AAU tournaments, you know, they always like to hype them up. So it's like the Jimmy versus Malik Newman or whatever whatever the matchup was. I always felt like I was right there. But, like, that's, again, part of, like, that's just my competitive mentality. Like, even if I wasn't, which I never was, but even if I wasn't, I would have thought like that. Let's say I'm the worst player on the court. I'm just going to be out there thinking I'm LeBron or Kobe. Like, that's just how my mind works. Do you think that mindset is necessary, though, to to play at the next level and to be an elite-level player? Um, I think as you go up, that mindset becomes even more necessary. So, I like, I feel like to go Division One or whatever, you got to have a certain mindset. But it's, like, not as much as, like, if you wanted to play overseas or, like, the NBA are at the highest level. But as you go up, you have to start thinking more and more like you're that dude, but then you have to be smart with it. Like you got to know what you're getting into, what position, what it's a grand scheme of things as you move up. Because the worst part about basketball is that as you move up, it becomes way more of a business than it is like straight basketball. And it sucks, but, and it's hard to explain to people that aren't in it because from the outside looking into a casual fan, I it's always so dumb to see when people are like, this person isn't good, or like, why can't this person score? Whoop, whoop. This person in NBA is not good. And I'm like, you don't understand that people are paying you millions of dollars sometimes to not do something. Like, I know dudes that can go get buckets in the NBA right now, but they get paid to not do that, to play defense and pass the other guys. So it's like, as you go up, really knowing that and – trying to keep that mindset of like I'll, I like to use Pat Bev as an example because he went to Arkansas like I've seen his career and stuff I don't think people really realize like he was a 20 plus to 30 point a game score like high school like he was a dog he was a bucket but then like he's always says when he came to the NBA like that's not the role they paid him for and he was trying to get to that money and last at the highest level and then he changed that mindset of like still being a dog but being a dog in his role, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And but but Jamie, like you said, that's something that you were able to do even starting your freshman year, like you know, being able to adjust and play within the role with the team issue, even as a freshman. Yeah, for sure. But I, I do gotta credit uh coach DJ a lot because he would he didn't very much like try to restrict me in any type of way. He was really to this day was probably like one of the coaches that really was just like, I'm going to let you be exactly who you are and whoever that is, you're going to decide it, but I won't ever hold you back from doing anything or not trying things. I'm sure that led to your success as a, you know, as a high school player. And you talked about Arkansas. Um, Talk to us about your recruiting process and what it was like, you know, being offered by Wichita State and Greg Marshall. And talk to us about that process of being recruited through high school and making your decision on where to go to school. Uh, I I have an interesting one because I didn't have any, like, I had no baseline for it. Like, I did not know what I was doing. If I could 
go back and explain to my younger self, like, this is how you should navigate the process. I would. And I try to help people now. But back then it was like, I'm getting calls, like, especially after my sophomore year, like every other day with another coach being like, Hey, we want to offer you a scholarship and like talking to people. And I'm trying to navigate, like, I'm what, 15, 16 at the time. I don't want to talk to 40 year old men all day. Like I want to go hang out with my friends and stuff. So like, I'm not giving the process the time to really consider like what might be the best option for me and like really digging into these schools. It's just like, I was honestly in the moment of just like, you call, oh, you want to offer? Cool. And then bang the phone on them. And I might not talk to them after that moment. And then I really didn't start diving down to like narrowing things down until probably my junior year, like that summer where I was really like, all right, where do I want to go? What schools are interesting? Like, I personally think I had 26 offers wow. after I was, it was all said and done. I think that was way too many. I, I, from like, there was no point in me talking to 26 schools. Like I should have just told him from the jump, like, uh, I probably won't be coming to Harvard. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. You know what I mean? Like there's some schools that you just know you're not going to. So did you feel overwhelmed in that moment or I mean, what was it? For sure. I think there was times where I did feel overwhelmed. Cause I remember times where, and it, I, I hate to say it like this, because like there's just people that would kill, you know what I mean, have 26 offers. But I think there's a reality to situations and like 26 too much. Like I remember people calling my phone. And I'm ignoring calls because I'm like, I just got off the phone with three other coaches. Like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, I, I'm sorry. I don't care who it is. Like, I just don't want to talk. And I did feel like at times it was overwhelming. But again, none of my family had been there. So like we didn't know how to navigate it properly. So what was sort of. No, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Jimmy. Go ahead. Like, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, yo, if there's schools you know you're not going to go to, let's chop those off the list. Like, if they hit you up, say, hey, like, it's all good, but I'm not interested. So now that my list isn't 26, and it's like, let's say 10, I can dive into 10 more and really take my years to really be like, all right, let me see where the team's at now. Let me see where they're going to be by the time I come out and get ready to go into college. And do all this instead of waiting to my junior year to look at a list of 26 and try to do it all in a summer of what I what I ended up doing, breaking it down all in a summer and then committing before my senior year, where I could have expanded it a smaller list through like two years, if that makes sense, and really dive into it. Cause I really think like college can make or break players, and I've seen it so many times. And I don't think people really realize how big of a decision it is about where you go, especially if you're really trying to go to that next level and be like a professional. Like it really matters. And it's not about how big the name of the school is. It's truly about like a fit and where you belong and how you mesh into a system and what players are going to be there with you. There's all these factors that you really need to break down and you just can't do it with a laundry list of 26, in my own opinion. And it really takes time to do it. And say, and then I will say for you, like I said, I was I was there for that that whole thing. Um, one thing I will say is just a quick story. Funnest time I probably ever had was I don't even know if you remember this when we went on the trip. It was me, you, and your pops, and we went to Kansas to go watch them play. Mm-hmm. And it was my first time ever going on like a recruiting trip or anything like that. Hold on, I'm about to turn on my light. Say pause it. Oh, this dude. This dude's insane. <laughs> the blooper reel, man. 
Okay, so let's put it in the blue for real. Ah, right, there we go. Hey, uh, hey, we're, uh, I, I was gonna say we have a heavy moment. He said, "Hold on, where's the light?" It's, hey, but, but I can see Jim. I can see Jimmy's face for like the past two minutes where he's like, "I, know, I, I was yeah. looking. I'm like, damn, it got dark as hell in there." Something started happening. I, I don't know. Something was different in my brain, and I realized the lights off, and I got to looking around like, "Hold oh, no. on." Well, so I was gonna say, so one of the things that I, I like really credit you and Mr. Whit for doing for me was when y'all took me on that trip to Kansas. And I don't even know if you remember that. When we went to the Kansas basketball game. Yeah, we went to the Kansas yeah. basketball game for unofficial. Was it an unofficial visit? It was unofficial. They invited me up there. Yeah, yeah, we had some yeah. tickets. And that was when the, the one point in my mind where I was like, bro, I'm going to college. I was like, I'm going to hoop in college. I was like, I'm not doing nothing else. I'm doing it. So I always say, like, I give credit to to Jimmy and Mr. Witt. And that's like, why I'll be like, hey, that's family. Cause they didn't, they didn't have to take me with them, and they could have been like, "Nah, this would be like me, Jimmy, and like your mom could have went." But they was like, "Nah, Drake, come on, let's go." And I was like, "Oh, cool." That Fog Allen, they they hey. and they be Kishon, they, don't, say, they can play school of the blind, and that gym's gonna be sold out. It was crazy. Hey, they was throwing what did they uh, first? I think first bucket, they was throwing like newspaper onto the uh onto yeah. the court. Like it was crazy, and we got to see um, Ben McLemore. I think that was his first, first or second game there. Yeah, Ben's here. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Kashawn, dog, straight dog. Yeah, that, that was that game was popping. I I just remember hitting threes. The gym going insane. Dunks like the gym just going crazy. Right. It it was insane, and so for you, I know like for most people, like your first school you chose was Arkansas. Was there any other school that could have taken you? Like, was there any other school you were like, ah, I looking back, I probably maybe could they could I could have went there. Oh, looking back, may it was it was uh teams that really could have got me were this isn't when I was transferring either. This was the first time. This was uh because that's when Eric, Larry Brown was there. Um what was Cal was the other one. I think Kwanzaa was there too. That was when Quanzo Martin was at Cal, cause I was real cool with the uh, with one of the assistant coaches. But those were the two. But I can't even sit here and act like I really gave any other schools a consideration because I had such deep ties to Arkansas. Cause like my brother, Manuel, who's like still my brother to this day, his dad was the assistant coach. So I can't even really sit here and give a real like these schools really could have got me. Cause I think I pretty much knew since. My sophomore year, I was going to go to Arkansas with them, which looking back, I wish I didn't think like that. But it's one of those lessons you got to learn. Like the biggest lesson I learned through all of it is like Arkansas was good for me. I learned a lot of things, but like business and family are like are like family and business shouldn't mix, in my opinion. Like it's super hard and it's such a thin line. And especially when it comes to basketball, it's less like at the end of the day, he wasn't my head coach. And I don't have anything against my head coach from Arkansas. It's just that I think I viewed basketball a little bit differently than he did. And you told him. Okay, like, fine. I'm yeah. not saying I'm right and he's wrong. But at the end of the day, I'm playing and he's coaching. So he's going to coach how he wants to coach. And as a player, you should play how you feel you want to play. Because I would much rather fail doing something that I feel like I want to do than fail feeling like I'm doing it somebody else's way. Was that a big adjustment for you, though, Jimmy? Like, going from – because you talk about how it's 
you, the higher levels you go, it's more and more like a business. And the, what you experienced with your coach at Arkansas, was that a like a culture shock for you? Like was that a big adjustment for you as a player? I think it come. I think it was a it was a big eye opener. It was an adjustment, but not things I couldn't see until where I'm at my point, my life now. I think uh, the biggest thing was what I was saying with the business and family thing, understanding like my play style, especially with me specifically, my play style, I would say is like unique. Like it's not, I can't play for every coach. Every coach couldn't coach me. I couldn't, you're, I'm not a player that you're like, you can stick him on any team and he'll like play well. I know that about my game and I know it's not like that. I'm not like a catch and shoot. I'm just going to sit in the corner and shoot threes. I'm more like put the ball in my hand. I like to work out in that mid-range area, which isn't, like, ideal for a lot of coaches. So there was that part of it. I think a big thing that I probably have never really talked about, except with, like, other people. I don't think I've talked about this with Dre, but, like, a big thing was for me looking back is how much stock I put into my confidence, which relied in what other people thought of my game. And I think looking back as an 18-year-old, so much of my confidence of why I played so well was because everyone around me for, like, years, because I was playing so well, they were like, oh, you're so good, this, that, and the third. And the biggest shock is, like, going to a school like Arkansas, who's that's so big, where, like, if you play bad one time, you have people, like, tweeting at you, and you suck saying some of the craziest things. And at the time, I did not know how to deal with that. I thought I did. But, like, when I look back, I'm like, that really did get to me and, like, make me think, like, dang, like, this sucks. Like, these people are talking crazy to me. Like, you do start to, like, second-guess yourself a little bit. Especially with, like I said, my game was unique. How I shot was unique. Like, it was a different type of game that isn't stereotypical or, like, textbook. And that did get to me my freshman year for sure. And, like, trying to deal with, like, the mental aspect of, like, people calling you out your name and like tweeting about you after the game and stuff. And, and I think like for most people, they'll never really understand that. Um, so you kind of saying that now is a huge thing that, you know, maybe somebody who's probably made that could be in your position later on could also see it and be like, you know what, let me take that into effect as well. And I will say this as well. I did get into a whole argument with someone on Twitter when the day you were like, Hey, I'm transferring. Hey. Oh yeah. <laughs> if i can tell you some of the things i was saying to people in my dms like because i'm one of those like you're if people think they're just gonna say stuff to me and i'm gonna be like the guy that's like you know it's twitter i'm not gonna no even to this day i will say something back like if you guys like we can get into it i have time. i have time in my day i could dedicate we could get into it you wanted this confrontation i want to see what you're about and i will get with people like i'm not one of those I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let it. No, I'm going to say something to as many people as I can, too. Like, if I can get 100 people off in a day, I will. But, <laughs> I'm you not know, a- that, that's so polar to, like, well, we're – because, you know, like, we all play, like, we're taught in, like, the meetings. Our coach tells us, like, don't respond to anyone on Twitter or on Instagram. Like, just let them rock. But, like, that's pretty polar, bro. Like, your thought process, like, the- <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm one of I'm one of those like this. Like, a lot of the stuff, I there's stuff I'll let go. But some people say some bold stuff to you to where I'm like, at this point, you tested me as a man. Like, I'm not going to get played. Like, what you, what, hold on. Hold on. Now you're saying fighting words. And I'm like, at least I can tweet at you back. Like, no, it's not going like this. You'll be surprised how many people, when you respond to them, will back down and be like, oh, like, my fault. Like, I didn't even mean to say something like this. Because I think people really get into their emotions. And I do feel like a lot of them were like, I sort of get it as a fan. 
it's like you're so invested and like you did a, I wouldn't do it, but like they spurt off and say some outlandish things to you, but I just can't let it all slide. I, it's not, I wouldn't recommend it for a lot of people, but I know myself and I'm, I can't let all that slide. I'm sorry. So, so what was the craziest thing that a fan said to you in the DM or on social media during your transfer process? Like if I, if I, I can't even say the word. It was so crazy. All right, so we all know the hard ER. Just imagine that word used every other time, and the basis and the synopsis of the message was like, you deserve to leave. We hate you. I wish you would die. If I were to come see you, like, I would try to kill you myself. And I was like, I bet. Like, you know where I'm at. Like, I'm at school. I'm at this time, this time. If it's really like that, please come see me. Like, I'm cool with that. Wait, okay, my bad, Jamie. Because I really wasn't expecting you to say that. That's actually kind of crazy. I was expecting you to say that. No, I, I, it was. It, I'm and it was like I've gotten multiple, multiples of messages like that before, especially when I was transferring. And the crazy part is, so like my teammates, we we all ride for each other. So they were like, when I was telling dudes like, "Yo, pop out!" Like this is where I'm at. My whole Arkansas team is with me. Like, yo, we will really get after these dudes. Like, it's not sweet. But, like, people that go to those links, I don't even – I'm not even really upset with them, to be honest with you. Like, I got to stand on my ten toes as a man, so I'm going to say something back. But, like, you got to be going through something if you're going to say something that crazy over a ch- children's game, to be all – like, in all honesty. Like, we're playing a children's game. So, yeah. so aside from the internet trolls and the stuff being said to you on social media – what was that transfer process like that for you? What was it like for you? And it why was, did you decide to transfer? I wanted to transfer because um, I felt like my role with Arkansas and like how I viewed myself playing and how I was being played just did not align. And I felt like if I were to stay, I'd always have the regret of saying I tried it someone else's way and to bend to someone else's way. And if it didn't work out, I know I would always have that regret. And I was like, again, I'd rather fail me going somewhere and feeling like I tried it my way and it didn't work and I'm okay with that. So in terms of the specifics, at Arkansas, I was playing more like the 2-3, which I had never like played in my life. And it was hard for me, especially my freshman year. The 2-3 in the SEC, like these dudes like are are stocky bodies and I came into college like I didn't lift I didn't even like lifting Drake in the test like I'm lifting in our workouts like on the bench I'm hitting one rep and I'm looking at him like bro I hoop I don't do this like I, I'm ducking oh. lifts weights ducking all that I can relate. So, I'm playing at the two three my freshman year and I'm like dang dude six six like big body not that I can't get, get after you but like I'm uncomfortable out here doing this I'm so used to playing at the point, having the ball in my hands, like making decisions. It was hard for me to watch someone else do that and then like try to play off them. Cause I feel like, especially as a freshman, most freshmen, like you have one way you know how to play. It's very hard for freshmen to adjust their style of play to a team. Like I can do that now cause I'm older and I know how to work it out and make things work for me. But in that part of my life, like if you're telling me to play a different way, I'm like, I don't know how, like I'm going to be ineffective. So I felt like that my freshman year. And then thinking back, I was in the mindset again of like, I want to do things my way. So I was like, let me transfer or look at transferring at least and see if there's better options. And that's how I ended up going to SMU. 
and then I would, like jumping into that I know that you had a you had a you had a good list of, of teams that reached out to you especially after you were in that transfer portal um what sold you on SMU like I know I personally know how how it is but like I want you to explain to people how like for people who don't know where SMU is or what SMU like how good SMU is as, as a school well for one um when I was going through the process and I looked back at it, I was looking at like what head coaches are talking to you. Like if I can tell a player anything, mm -hmm. if the head coach himself is recruiting you, that is a school that really likes you wow. because the recruiting process from both sides, like I've seen the behind the closed doors where coaches are talking to themselves. And like, I watch coaches delegate dudes that they don't like, they're like, Oh, he's all right. Like, all right, you go talk to him. And I've seen him when he's really coach, really interested in being like, I like this dude, get him on the phone with me tonight. And I'm and when I understood that transferring out, I was like, okay, what head coaches are hitting my line? Like what people that are the decision makers, who's getting minutes, how I'm gonna play you is hitting my lines. And it came down to um SMU and Colorado. I really liked both of them equally because the Colorado coach at the time had worked under Coach Brown, Larry Brown, and he was like, Hey, I love Coach Brown. So if you went there, I wouldn't even be mad. Like, I get it. Coach Brown, I really liked him because he was the only coach I can say that when I transferred, he hit my line and was like, I love you. Like, uh, like you're a great player, great dude. Like, I hope everything works out for you. And when I was at Arkansas my freshman year, he would watch the games and hit me up after the games and be like, hey, I think you could do this. I saw this. And I was like, dang, he wow. not even a coach. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's unheard of for, like, a head coach at another school to, like, be on some, you didn't come here, but I'm watching your games. This is how I think you could play better and help. I always kept that in the back of my mind. And I remember after I took my official visits, I was like, okay, it's SMU or Colorado. Which one do I want to go to? Because both of them were, like, real good fits for me. And I remember the Colorado coach hit me up, and he was like, hey, um, I really want you to come here, but there's a seven-foot dude that wants to commit and I've been trying to like hold him off for you, but like we can't hold a seven footer off for so long. And I felt like that was my, um, mm -hmm. that was like a sign. And I was like, all right, it's all good. Like I'm going to commit to SMU. That was that so, blessing in disguise. Yeah. And so then, so then now you're SMU. Um, and for people who don't know this, this is before you could transfer and immediately play. Oh so, yeah. Like, now, you have to sit a year. That's so like there now. That seems like ages ago, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> time, you're not doing nothing. Yeah. So you're there now and you're you're considered redshirt now. What like what was your regimen? Because I know for me, my my redshirt year, oh man, I would be seeing guys play, leaving, going to practice. Like I was just like, oh my God, I'm extremely bored. Like, what is going on? So for you, what was it like? Cooper, I had never done anything like that, like taking a year off, not playing. And it sucked. Like I go, I work out before practice. I practice, work out a little bit after. And then if you want me to be completely honest, party. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and when the team left to go on away games, I went with like one of our managers and we would just hang out and party. <laughs> That's all I did to pass the time. Like you can't do anything else. Like, if you're not working out, you're watching the games on TV or you're sitting on the bench when it's a home game. It sucks. It's like the worst. I'm so glad they changed that rule. But did like, you learn to look at the game from a different perspective, like during that? It, it's, it was interesting sitting on the side and like 
watching high level basketball because we were like 30 and two that year in like regular season, like 30 and four. So like watching high level basketball from the side and like seeing what coaches see, because sometimes you're on the court, coach tell you something you like, I don't feel that when I'm out here, but like seeing the game as a whole and not from like a first person point of view, it feels like you're like third person and you're just watching everybody. Like you're watching backside rotations on defense. You're watching how dudes are guarding ball screens. You're watching what your players are doing wrong, how a dude could have cut here, should have stayed up. Like, I was like, oh, so this is what coaches be seeing. And it does, if you're watching and in tune, like, it can help you expand your game for sure. What was what was the most interesting you thing you learned either about yourself or about the game of basketball during that rest of year? I think I learned how to make pieces fit well and like understanding why pieces of a team don't fit well so like watching and being like okay as if I was a coach right because every coach has their different perspective and I'm watching guys play together and I'm like dang like we can't put this guy in this position so when I'm out there I shouldn't put him in this position because he's really not that good at that or he doesn't like doing that and it's more so for like your own players but then looking at other teams and being like okay we're gonna play this team next year, this coach likes to coach this style. He's going, okay, bet. So when we play him next year, we can move here, move these pieces here. We can attack a guy here. He's not good at doing this. Let's see if he gets better next year. I think the greatest example of that was they lost to USC my sit-out year, first round of the tournament. USC went to a 2-3 zone, and that's basically why we end up losing. We sort of froze up in, like, the clutch time, like, last – eight minutes of the game, sort of froze up, didn't have anybody that could really attack the middle of the zone. Fast forward, they have the same team next year, and we play them at home, and they're ranked like 15 in the country. We're playing, we're playing. We're, we're It's like a back and forth. They were playing, man. They go to the same zone in the same part of the game that they did the year before. But this time, like Dre knows, I really like to play in the mid-range. So I am instantly tell coach, I'm like, hey, let's switch it up. Instead of the big, the four, put him at my spot. Throw the four out to the corner at the top of the key. Let me play the middle and flash in the middle. We end up scraping them when they go to the zone, like blow up in like a 10, 12-point lead. And it's just funny because thinking back to that moment of watching from the outside, I was thinking about that. Like I remember last year when they did this, and I'm inserting myself here. So it's like it's things like that, like when you're like a really in tune with the game and watching what's going on, like knowing how to work pieces, knowing how to work your pieces, like a chessboard. And so you talk you you talk about that, especially playing like USC with them being ranked. I looked up some of the stats. You, I think you guys beat the most ranked teams that year. You want to hear a crazy stat? Yeah, <laughs> but we won the most games against ranked teams. I think in college basketball that year, and we did not make the tournament. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, 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 wait! What? We had the most top fifteen wins in the college basketball and the most ranked wins in like school history, all these crazy stats. Right. But we didn't make the tournament because we played like a, what was it, Dre? Like a six or seven man rotation. Yeah. And so, got injured. One broke his thumb. He's in the NBA, Shake Milton. And then the other one, Dre like tours ACL. So then like, we just ended up losing too many games. And in our conference, if you're not finishing top two, you're not going to go to the tournament. And this is and this is when he's at uh you were at SMU specifically with was was Larry Brown there at the time or was was that like the first three months and then 
uh, he ended up leaving. Yeah, I remember that. So then, now you're you're in coming into your what was is that this is now your junior year, right? Sorry, I'm still in shock from that, bro. <laughs> you're still in shock from that? Yeah, yeah. no, no, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like I remember, I remember sitting there watching, and they played. Was it Arizona when they had uh doing the country when they yeah, had they, the young- they were top five? They had Aiden. And when I say they tore them apart, I want to say I won by 20. We worked, we worked Arizona. We worked Arizona. In the Bahamas. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. This was the 2017-2018 season, right? Uh, yeah. The, I remember that. I remember that game. Okay, okay. Sorry. This- yeah, yeah, we were in the Bahamas. I, I, we just, we, 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 we wanted that when we found out we were going to Bahamas with them. That was like a game in our head because preseason they were like either number one or number two or whatever they were, and we were like, we're gonna have an opportunity to play them. Like that's a game we want. And then we we finally got it, and then we ended up working them. I think the ranked teams we beat that year was Arizona. They were two. USC was fifteen. Wichita State was like twenty three or twenty four. Uh, Boise State when they had uh, the Chandler dude, the light skin dude, I forgot his last name. Boise State was ranked in the twenties somewhere, and there's I think it was Wichita State again when they were ranked or somebody else. They were just, they, they moving shot. on teams. <laughs> yeah, but was I? We would say it all year, like we were one injury away from like being really good to being like not good at all because we played literally six guys 40 minutes a game we did not sub we had one dude coming in and out like everyone's playing 40 it sound familiar because <laughs> yeah. sean already know what i'm talking about but that's yes, yes. very familiar that yeah. very familiar yeah i get it and the, the um, crazy we did it the year before he we played the six-man rotation and we were like 30 and four and people were saying it the year before and then finally it caught up with us and we were unlucky and had two people get injured. And then we just we just end up losing too many games and then just like, ah, oh, you can't get in. Then you end up having to win your tournament. We made it to the game before the championship game. Then you end up losing, just run out of gas. What, five, four, four games in about six days? You got, you got to win? Yeah. Win two try to win that third one you're just gas you just don't got nothing because the team you're playing had a buy you know what i mean the team you play got a buy so it's just like just didn't have enough <laughs> and so that was your junior year right uh yeah so this is your junior year so now it's it's your senior year and you're bad you're, you're now what that was when you were thinking about going back to arkansas right yeah so that was that was my last year at SMU. That stuff happened. So then the next year comes around, and they were asking me what I wanted to do. And I was like, well, I wanted – I was like – I was thinking about staying, honestly. I was like, there's really no point in me, like, transferring again. But I had the option, and I remember my parents always just being like, if you have options, you should at least look at them. So I remember telling my coach, like, hey, I'm not transferring. I'm not saying I'm going to transfer, but, like, I do want to check my options out. He was like – he was cool about it. He was like, as you should, like, as a grad, like, you have that option. And, again, this is before you could, like, transfer and play right away. So, like, having the grad year was, like, sort of rare. Like, not everybody really had that. Like, you had to either leave, sit out, or medical or whatever. So, 
I did that. And then my brother, this is crazy enough. So my brother worked for Coach Muss, Eric Musselman at Nevada. And then the year I decided to transfer, he just so happens, like in the middle of me going through the process, getting the job at Arkansas when it opened up. So my brother like hit my line up and he was like, yo, you gotta at least take an official there. Like, trust me, like Coach Muss is like that dude. He's had transfer players like you before, like you thrive there. So I was like, all right, bet. Like, I've been around Coach Muss when I was at Nevada a little bit. Seems like a cool dude, whatever. Then he went back to Arkansas, which I thought was interesting because I did really like going to Arkansas as a school. I like the atmosphere, the gym, everything. 22K when it's filled up top to bottom. So I went on my official, talked to him, and that's really where he sold me on the official. Just like Muss's planning, like, probably, which I always tell people, that's why he's so good. Like, his planning off the court when it terms of, like, how he knows the player's game top to bottom and how he knows other teams and like the prep before games, it sold me. And I wanted to win. Like I wanted to make it to the tournament and I felt like that was my best chance. And I felt like I could really go there and he would just like play your game. And I was like, I get to play at that power five level again. So I felt like it was an opportunity I could pass up and my brother wasn't going to let me pass it up. So I was like, all right, I'll go back, which was <laughs> a interesting. Feeling. It was like a funny feeling going back. Whoa. No. Go ahead, Gertrude. I was say I don't know if anybody peeped it. It was the uh the like, I mean, I guess I can go back. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was. Like I'm telling you, because you got to think, when Coach Brown left SMU, I almost considered coming home and going to Mizzou, because I was like, man, like I just transferred from school. I get here and then Coach Brown leaves within like a couple months because of some other stuff going on, and I was just like. After I thought to myself, like, I'm sort of tired of it. Like, let me just go home to the crib. At least I'm comfortable. My boys are there. This down to third. But then Coach Brown convinced me to stay at, and play for the new coach. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And then when I'm transferring, I'm sitting there thinking, like, do I really want to leave and go to another school and, like, do the whole process over of, like, if I go to a new school, I got to get to know new teammates. I got to get to know the new coach. And I only got a year. Like, you get one year to perform, and if any one thing – because I've seen horror stories, like dudes transfer grad year, they get somewhere and they don't play. Like, we had dudes on my Arkansas team, when I grad transferred that came in with me, didn't play and felt like their careers were, like, ruined from that point on because then you want to go be a pro and teams were looking at you like, well, what happened your last year of college? A whole bunch of stuff, right? So then that's my mindset. But when my brother, who I trust with my life, is like, you have to go here – and I got to talk to the guy and he had this grand scheme and plan. I was like, you know what? I trust it. I'm going to go there. And it, I mean, it ended up working out exactly how I wanted to. So I couldn't have asked for much better. So you're back at Arkansas now. Same same school, but now different program, new head coach. What were the expectations for you guys your grad year? The outside expectations were like, it didn't matter if we were good that year. Because, you know, when you that first year of coaching, they're always like, well, you got to give him a year to be like, got to give the coach a year to get his players in and this, that, and the third. What I liked about it was Coach Must, from the very first day he got us all together, he was like, I don't care what anyone says. We're winning this year. Like, I don't, I'm not going to come in here on some, it's going to take a year. No, we're winning this year right now. Like, I don't like losing. And that's why I liked about him so much. And he was like, I'll do anything it takes to win. Like, if he has to take his shirt off and run around the entire stadium like he does to, like, get his players or get recruits, and like, he's going to do whatever it takes. 
That dude's a pure winner. Like, he does not care about anything else. And I, I respect that as a coach. I respect also, co- No, no, go my fault, Jimmy. No, I was just saying, I respect coaches that, like, you know, like, there's no gray area. I know what I'm getting from you, good, bad, and ugly, and I know what your goal is. Like, you're like, I want to win, and if you can help me win, I'm going to do that. And I can respect that, especially in the coaching world. And and I just want to preface this. Jimmy, how tall? Unofficially, oh how tall are you? <laughs> Officially, I'm like 6'1 and some, and a little bit. Okay. So for those people who watched you, was it 2019 and 2020 that year that you transferred? Yeah. So 2019 and 2020, this is what this is what your your senior year, your final year. You you've been in the gym, you've been in everything. Like you, you ready for it. Jimmy was playing the four. Sometimes I my last year of college, I played I started at the one, but I would end at the five. Yeah. So this is my thing of when I you know how we we always talked about I'm like, hey, there is no I don't give an excuse to people who are like. Like you're six five and over, I don't give you an excuse. Like, like you go out there and play. I'm not six yeah. five. <laughs> I'm six three at best. I think that was the thing about my last year is that like, so we get in there. Obviously, he's trying to figure out everything. Whoopty whoop. So I'm I'm playing like the one how I usually like to play. We're playing going on, and then it gets to about mid season. We're winning. We were winning a lot non conference. We get into conference, sort of up and down, and he gets to the point where he's like. And practice one day, he's like, you know what? I just feel like we're better when all of our guards are out there. So if y'all like, if our bigs don't start playing well, what's the point of me playing y'all? I'll just play all of our guards. And like, everybody's like, like coaches are like, hey coach, this ain't the Mountain West. Like this is the SEC. Like, I don't know if we can do that. Like these dudes is carrying 6'10", 240 big bodies down there that don't do nothing but stack you with the right shoulder hook. Like they don't got no moves, no bag. Coach Muss is like, I don't care. If y'all want to be great, you better play. So I remember the first game he did it. He subs uh, two of our guards in, shorter than me. So I'm looking around. I'm like, dang, who's going to guard the big? <laughs> who got big buddy? I'm like, dang. I'm pretty sure we're playing like Texas A&M or something. And I'm sitting there looking around like, dang, who's going to guard buddy? He, you know what I mean? Six, seven, two, maybe 280, big body, big, big stocky dude. He looked at me and he said, Jimmy, you got to do it. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I'm not soft down here. And then it was a blessing and a curse because we were really good playing five guards. But, boy, my back at the end of the season. Hey, 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 hey boy, my back trying to box out these big bodies. They're just throwing elbows down there. It got to the point where I just started reaching and fronting. Like, if they caught it in the post, I'm reaching every time. Behind the back reach, if I don't get it, I'm looking at coach like, hey, I'm not going to bruise with these dudes down here. Like, or, his belly so <laughs> or I'm doing a hard front. The front where I'm like, backside help, help, backside. Like, where you're just shouting for backside help. And if it goes over your head, you just shrug your shoulders like, hey, I, somebody better get back there. But you know, I did my job. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and this is why it's funny because uh, – I remember watching. I think I were playing. Was it Kentucky? You they they put you down there at the five. Oh yeah, with those two. That was when they had a uh, what's Buddy's name? He plays for he the Charlotte. Charlotte now. Yeah. Um. First name's Nick or something. Yeah, Nick. Uh. Oh my God. I can't remember his name, but so he was. I was watching right, and I was like, I'm watching. I'm like, yo, he's 
It's like, are you controlling the game? Starting at the point, it was you and I think another dude, and uh, and one and another dude like played huh? point. Uh, Jalen Hare, J five. We yeah. called him J five. Hit me and him at play point. So they were playing point, and I'm watching. And I'm like, oh, like they getting to it. Like they're giving Kentucky all they want. Close game, and then all of a sudden I see sub sub sub, and I'm like, yo, who's who's guarding the big? I had to like look at my screen a little bit closer. I was like, let me get closer to the TV. I said, why is this man guarding 6'10? 6'1. <laughs> but like it was funny because Nick couldn't score on him. Like he couldn't do anything. And then on the other end, you just see Jimmy doing his usual thing of, hey, give me the ball anywhere in that in that middle space, and I'm gonna give us a bucket. And I want to say at a point in time, you were were you top five in the SEC in scoring? Yeah, there was a time. But, and this, I always think back to this, and I'm like, I, I let my pride get in the way. But I was at one point, like, top three in, like, the first four or five games of scoring in the SEC. And then I remember thinking back to SMU, I'm telling you, my back was messed up for, like, like a week. And I really shouldn't have played that week of games. But I remember Coach Must just being like, hey, we need you. And you know me, I'm thinking I'm a Superman, so I'm like, I got you. I'm out there. Boy, I wasn't worth nothing, and we lost, too. That's what killed me. I said I wasn't worth nothing, and we lost. Like, I couldn't do anything, and we lost. I was like, what was the point? But, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I went that week of, like, like four points, and I had a goose egg against Auburn, like my first goose egg in college. It was sick, sick, sick work, 40 minutes of a goose egg, and I was just – he was, and he was just dogging me after the game, too. I can't – one of our best players started. He can't get one. You can't score one point. And I said, Coach, my back. Like I, I, I tried. I could not move. It was bad, though. It was bad. It was a pathetic performance for sure. <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> so then, so it gets to I want to say around around tournament time, and that's when obviously I think everybody in this chat, everybody in this in this uh oh the COVID affected with COVID. That and, boy Queen got us. But like I want to say, up until that point, you guys were actually in those. Was it sixty three? Were you guys like sixty third or sixty second to get in? So we went into the tournament. Uh, we had a span where we had one of our Isaiah Joe, who's on the Thunder right now. He had got injured for like uh four or five games, and we went on like a four or five game losing streak. Because again, we only played like six dudes, and like only me, him, and really Mason Jones like shot the ball for real. Like Mason averaged 22, me and uh, Zay averaged like around 15, 16. So you take 16 points a game out in college, like that's a lot. That's huge. Yeah, That's like huge. So that happens. We go on like a five-game losing streak of losing by like anywhere between like three to maybe six points. We get Zay back for the last two, three games of the season. We go on a win streak. So then they were like, we are uh whatever, whatever you get, but um, I'm getting the Popeyes or my fault, but uh, <laughs> Popeyes, <laughs> but um, so we go into the conference tournament, like the SEC tournament, and they were like everybody, Jay Billis, all these people are like Arkansas is on the fringe right now, and if they like win a couple games in the SEC tournament, like basically we'll see how it goes if they could get in. We win the first game versus Vandy, and then we were on the first four in. So, like, we go into, we come into the locker room, and we're about to play 
And we had a great lineup. So we played Vandy in the first round. We beat Vandy. The next thing we were going to play is South Carolina, which is a matchup we were like, like everyone in the world knew, like, they're going to beat South Carolina. They have the full team healthy. Like, they were going to scrape South Carolina. We're getting them off the map. Like, we're not worried about them. Then we would have played LSU, and we we just had LSU's number. They came in second in our conference, but, like, some teams you just have their number just killed LSU. Like, got them at their crib. Then we played them for senior night at our crib. I had, like, 26, 15, and 5. Like, I used to kill LSU every time. So we were like, we love this matchup. But then everyone was saying, so we're the first four in after the Vandy game. If we beat South Carolina, we're guaranteed in. So they're like, you beat South Carolina, you're guaranteed in. You don't got to win another game. So then we're thinking, okay, beat South Carolina, we're in the tournament. If we beat LSU, we could get like a, I think they said the highest, like a nine seed. And we're like, dang, we a nine seed solid from for like, and then we're thinking, okay, we get a good matchup. We could either be a first round loss team or go to the Sweet 16 because, like, we were a big matchup team. If we got the right matchups, like, we could really get after some teams. I remember resting my head after having this, like, he called us in, had all this conversation I'm having with y'all. Like, if we do this, we could go this route. We're hyped up, right? Hyped up, ready to smack South Carolina. Right before I go to bed, I'm roommates with Isaiah Joe, and he looked at me and he was like, do you think we're going to play tomorrow? Because we were looking at all this COVID stuff happening. I remember looking at him, and I was like, you know what's crazy? I really don't think so. I think our season's over. And then right before I rest my head, I saw a message and it said, the Big Ten is considering like stopping their tournament. And I was like, if they stop their tournament, it just takes one conference to pull the trigger before everyone else has to follow suit. I woke up the next morning and all I saw on ESPN was Big Ten cancels the tournament. A couple hours later, Coach calls us, hey, we got to meet downstairs. I knew it. I was like, all right, the season's over. Like, he called us in, like, everybody's bawling, crying, just like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, season's over, tournament's canceled, this, that, a third. It was a weird feeling because at one point I was like, dang, I really wanted to play in the NCAA tournament. Like, that would have been cool. Then another part of me is like, hey, this is my fifth year college, boys. I don't care. Like, I'm done with this anyway. It's time for me to go. My time's done. <laughs> Time to pack it up, fellas. I love y'all boys, but get me to the crib. It's over. <laughs> so I was like, it was just funny because everybody was crying and me and the other grads, we were just looking at each other like, hey, that's how it happens sometimes, boys. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. So what's funny is, so as soon as like we heard about COVID, I literally, I think I had, we played it, we played a game and I was like, dang, I said on that, like right after our game, I, we were, this is when we were in England. Right after our game, I said, hey, you know, treat every game like it's your last because you never know what happened. <laughs> he did say that. Treat did say that. <laughs> hey, hey, three days later, we got a text message that said, we are considering uh, closing down all Premier League <laughs> games and all local league games. Please uh, be by your phones and, and we're going to postpone this game. Just that Bruh, I said, oh, we're not playing again. I texted yeah, the comments, we're not playing again. We're not going to be able to do anything, bro. That yeah, I was I was super I was super naive because Jay was trying to tell me this. I was like, nah, bro, we're we're, we're, we're still gonna play. I was like, in my mind, like I was thinking, myself, they're not gonna cancel the whole season, bro. Like, there's no way that's gonna happen. That was my teammates. My teammates, some of my teammates were like, bro, there's no way, right? Like, we're gonna have the games. There's gonna have no fans. This, that, and third. And I'm like, fellas, I don't think you understand. Again, the business side from the NCAA. If one conference is like, we're done playing. If anyone even coughs the wrong way. 
and conferences kept playing, like the lawsuit could be astronomical. Like, like it's over with if somebody plays, someone gets COVID, and then God forbid, knock on wood, somebody were to die too. Like, oh, they're done. Like the NCAA is coming off at least, at least twenty M's. Like it's wrapped for you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. from a business side, I can understand. Like, it's too big of a risk. Like in that moment, so I was like, yeah, they're gonna cancel it all. Hey, you heard? You remember what I said? I said it. I said, "Bro, treat every game like it's your last." I went out there had had thirty out of thirty yeah. ball. And then next thing you know, <laughs> we got canceled. I said, "Bro, that no. sent you to the crib. <laughs> sent you to the crib with a mask on. It said, be safe." <laughs> so, so now you're you're coming up on the decision. And then for, you know, for everybody, like, uh, for the COVID year, you got an extra year, but you already said, you already said, like, in your head, hey, I'm done. Like, I'm out of this college space. Like, I'm, I'm completely done. I was, I, the crazy part is, so I, I was on the, like, we, I was the last group that they're like, you don't get your extra year, but every other sport and year oh. gets an extra year. So, like, in the moment, I was done. I was like, I'm done with college. I wouldn't come back. COVID is like, it's so funny. There's a group of people that, like, are looking right now. They're like, hey, COVID was the best thing to happen to me. Like, I got to stay. I got the NIL deals. Like, they get all this good stuff. And then I'm on the other end of COVID where I didn't get to go to the little Reese's All-Star game. I didn't get to go to Portsmouth. The little three, Mm -hmm. like, all this stuff just got canceled for, like, a year. And I was just like, dang, I ain't got nothing to do. And then the very next year, they're like, hey, we can start paying athletes now. And I'm like, wow, this is sick. This is sick. I got people that I went to school with that were in college, like not the co, not the next year because everything was shut down. But when things got back going, I had people I went to college with that were in college getting NIL bread and like their COVID year back. I was disgusted. I said, "Hey, this is sick. This is, this is sick work from the NCAA. We were the only sport too. Obviously, the sports that finished before us, like football." But we were, like, on the fringe. Like, they were, like, basketball was too far into the season. Like, you don't get your year back. But then, like, the baseball teams and stuff that had just started in other sports, they all got their year back. And I'm pretty sure that the next year got their year back, too. Yeah. So, like, um, if you remember, I think I want to say Dewan, he got an extra year because yeah. And we were, like, I was, like, yo, that is insane. I was, like, hey, we <laughs> – <laughs> we've been I was like they got people to miss out on nil the extra year in college like all this other stuff that you want when you're playing there it's like dang I'll, and so, i'll be honest, i'm always keeping a buck forget the extra year give me the bread <laughs> i want the bread <laughs> i could care less about trying to make that tournament give me the bread <laughs> bread I, I can't believe i missed some nil money you are a meme right there sir you're officially a meme on that <laughs> They talk about the another year to make the tournament. I said, nah, that's another year to make 100K. What are we talking about? Give me the money. <laughs> so, so now you're you're done. You're 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 like, I right, I'm done. I'm out, I'm out here with college. You graduated. What was what was in your head? What was next? Like, how is that process now to to get to your next destination, which was the NBA? So, like now what's what what what's the plan? Man, so coming out, it was it was rough. So I came out. All the little stuff that as a senior you need, like Portsmouth, that's where, like, so, like, I always like to start with this. Like, when you come out, it's funny how the whole process works. When you are coming out of college, that group 
that's exiting out, whether you're a first year you leave or last year, that's really your time to get shine. So it's like that group that's coming out, NBA teams are like, okay, we're hyper-focused on this group. Like we're going to put all our focus into you, this, that, and the third. But once that group's gone and that next year of like soldiers comes through, the graduating class, whatever, the group before, they don't pay any mind to except the people that are like, okay, you did good. We sort of liked you. We're going to keep you. So like when my group came out, we had the COVID stuff. So they couldn't, we were at the beginning of like the, our stages of talking to teams and stuff, like setting up NBA workouts. But that year they had to forego it, couldn't do no NBA workouts and stuff. So when that next year's group came in, we're all thinking like, okay, bet, like no way the the process doesn't, like they don't bring us back to like talk to our group or like give us an opportunity. They were like, oh, no, 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 that's not how this business works. Like it sucks to be y'all. You got to go figure it out. So then like our entire group of people that year, we're just like, dang, like we don't got any opportunity. So you really like got to figure it out, like get in where you fit in. So it was like a, almost two years of me actually not playing basketball, like just working out and trying to figure out like, all right, COVID starting to end. What leagues are open? Where can you get in type deal? It was like a, it was like a rough little two years of just trying to figure it out. Ooh, for like one and a half years, like one and a half. Mentally for you, what was that like that, that time period of not playing for two years? I think uh, mentally it was, it was rough because this is the period before I found that good Lord. So it's really just me out here trying to figure things out. And then it's dealing with the fact of like, I was on the, I was in that group of guys that like, you got to prove it. So like you need those opportunities at Portsmouth and like these NBA workouts to go prove yourself. Cause if you don't, they can only go back to like the college stuff, but then they're like, well, that was two years ago. Like by the time they're looking at tape and stuff, they're like, well, you ain't, we don't know how good you are. Like that's two years ago. And in their mind with time, people get worse, which is like from their perspective, it's, it's logical, I guess. Like the older you get, the worse you get. So they're like, why take a chance on people that needed to prove themselves in the moment. And now we, it's been two years. Like you might've gotten worse. Like let's just go with the group that we've just seen come out. So it was hard trying to like really deal with hitting people up and they're just like, no, like we're not going to give you an opportunity because we're giving other people an opportunity, like just how the business goes. So it was rough, just like constant no's or constant, like you got something good going. And then it's like, oh, COVID, like it gets shut down. Like just a year of like either a no or it got shut down. It's like hard trying to deal with it, especially like real life get tricky. You got to pay some bills. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Real life, you don't get the comfort of college no more where I got a place to sleep, food. Like, I'm not worrying about done. You're sitting there like, dang, basketball was how I was supposed to make bread. So what do I got to do now? Like, just finding a way. But, like, luckily being blessed with, like, family and good people in your life. And then, like, you do stuff here and there. But that I feel, I feel bad for my group every time I think back. Like, my agent talks about it to this day because me and my agent are super close. He was like, I don't know how like you stayed in it and like you really just didn't say like forget it because I I had a lot of friends that were like I'm done basketball I quit like I it's been too long I got things to do I want to start my life which I could understand but like me I just couldn't I I just couldn't do it I was like I would have so much regret if I had stopped so so how did what was your 
meant uh, what was your response when you were able to receive that first opportunity at the next level? The first how did that first opportunity come about? It was uh so I was with before the agent I have now, which I this I was with him and then um some other opportunities came around and we had talked about it. he was like I want you I'll never like he's like I'll he was a real one. He's like I'll never hold you back, so go try it. So I was with like like the clutch agency type, like not exactly clutch, but like in that little group type deal. Subsidiary of it. Yeah. And like it just didn't in the in the best possible way I can say it, it it didn't turn out or how I expected it to or how other people expected it to. So then I was at a point where like it was it was like make or break where I was like, oh, I really might not hoop professionally. Like if I let one more year pass by, like it's over. Like at that point, teams were like, you ain't hooped in two years. Like you're done. Dude, like those, those gap years are killer, man. Yeah. So then I talked to my current agent. He was like, hey, I'm going to hit up a whole bunch of teams for you, like G League teams and stuff. So I ended up something like this is by the grace of the Lord, too. He I ended up. um they hit my agent back and was like, yo, we really like Jimmy from Arkansas. And crazy enough, we had a dude that was signed to our to training camp for our G League team. And like, for some reason, the league was like, he can't come. So they were like, we have a spot for training camp. Like if he wants to come and we'll see if he can make the final roster. So I went there and I just like did what I usually do. I just like hooped basically like, and they really liked me. They really messed with me. And that's how the first opportunity came just to, be in Cleveland and play on that team. And I was the first year they moved the G League team to the same city as the Cavs. So, like, I got to go into practice. I'm seeing, like, Kevin Love, Colin Sexton, and, like, Darius Garland. Like, I'm seeing those guys, like, every day. So, like, just to be around that atmosphere was, like, a blessing after, like, basically two years of not doing anything. And so now, like, you're – you got your opportunity – and I want to say you took advantage of it. And oh, yeah. How, like, what what changed? Like, now what was your role? Because I know from, like, that that jump from college to the pro level, regardless of where the pro level is, like, it's a jump and it's a grind. So, like, what's your, what's your mindset now? And, like, what was it for you? So my mindset going in there was, like, especially if you're dealing with anything, I would say, NBA-related, G League, anything NBA-related, like, that is a business, and I would tell people, if you're going to do it, know the job, know your role that you are, I would say, quote-unquote, interviewing for. So I'm going in there. As much as you want to play your game and, like, you have to play your game, you got to go a certain way about it because, like, you have two-way guys. You have affiliate guys. You have guys that they're like, we have invested a lot of money into seeing them play well. So if you are detracting from our investment, like you're taking away from that, you got to go. Like, we're not putting millions of dollars into this dude to watch you go out there and try to take all the shots or do this and that. So, like, you really got to utilize your minutes that you're going to get. Because from where I was at, I was, like, bottom of the totem pole. So we could have – there was times where, let's say, like, there was a week where I was getting, like, 20, around 20 minutes a game, which is, like, good for the position I was at. Then we had two of guys come down from the NBA team. We had Dylan Windler come down and we had um, Kevin Pangos for like two weeks. And then there's two weeks where I don't even smell the court because it's like there's only so many minutes in a game. If they come, they come from the top. Someone's got to get pushed down. So it's like 
you really have like it's like a more mental grind and always being ready to like take advantage of the time you get out there because like you don't know if you're gonna get 10 minutes 20 minutes like you don't know if you're not gonna play that week especially if you're at that lower like bottom totem pole like you gotta make sure you are really on it your p's and q's at all times because you don't know when that opportunity is going to come and so then you're playing you're you're going you're getting into it what do you think one of your best like what would you say was one of your best games that you had while you were with the Cavs G League team I think I started to find my groove around December so the first month I was really trying to figure it out I've never really been in the position of like not playing or like coming off the bench and stuff so really trying to like get in where you fit in trying to figure out my role you're not gonna have the ball in your hands as much like trying to do little things that uh will get you those more minutes and as you get more minutes your role will increase so i think around december though when we went to vegas i had two really good games in vegas so like i think one game like 12 and 6 and then one game like 10 and 9 like wow. almost like a double double and like pretty sure i played like around 20 22 minutes and there that's when i like started to catch a groove and that's when like the coaches start they're coming they're like hey like you keep doing this like hey you, you're about to start seeing stuff grow and like do well so that's when i started to catch a groove in the g league and really start being like okay this is how it goes yeah. so after after that vegas experience then what comes next what happened next after that so like this is where I said the life was like like highs and lows. So like it was going good. And then the league calls uh every team and they're like, hey, it's like save money or whatever it was. You had to they basically had to drop a roster spot. Like every team was cutting a roster spot in general to like save money. I lasted like four other dudes that were like getting cut and stuff, but I was technically signed as a local tryout player. So you got your two ways. You got your affiliates, returners, and then local tryout. So when they were like, you got to get rid of a roster spot, I was the only local tryout player or signed as local trial player at that time. So they, like, called me in the office, and they were like, yo, like, we really hate this. Like, we don't want you to go. But, like, the league said we got to get rid of a spot. And, like, business-wise, you're the only spot we can get rid of. And that was literally right after Vegas. So I'm like, dang, I was just catching a groove. Then I'm on the way to the crib. So I'm back at the crib. And then I was there for like a little minute because that was around like January or February. Yeah. And you know, with Hoopers, like seasons are going, like you're either waiting for somebody Ooh. to get cut or like it's about to be summertime. You know what I mean? It's about to be summer. You better get back in that weight room in that gym. So it was like a terrible time to get um, cut. But that's ended up what would happen. What happened basically? I'll say, and I, I'll say, I can attest to that. You were grinding. I remember that specifically, just that point. Um, and then for you, that's I would say for you, how was that like in your head? Is, was that one of the first times you were ever really cut? That was the first time I was ever cut. But I wasn't at that moment. I wasn't like mad or felt no type of way because I understood it from a business perspective of being like. Hey, brother, you're the only one that can, like, especially because up to that point, I watched, like, five other guys that weren't that were signed as, like, returners get traded or cut. So in my brain, I'm like, I lasted out five other dudes, which means what they say in terms of they didn't want to get rid of me, 
I can be a little bit confident in that because on one hand, it's like they've had plenty of opportunities to do it. And if they wanted to, they would have. But there's also the side of it, like at the end of the day, if they really wanted to keep you, they would have. They would have just booted somebody else. So like there's both sides of it. But thinking about it, I wasn't really upset in that moment. I was just like, it is what it is type deal. I want to I want to give you a little bit of credit, Jimmy, because they said like if they want to keep you with a captain, but at that level, it's it is more business oriented than opposed to like who's yeah. just a better player. So I, I don't give you the credit. Like that's hard yeah. to say that, but like, like yeah, that, right? That's the mental battle you go through. Because on one hand, I was like, you lasted five other dudes. Like they could have got rid of you those other times if they wanted to. Right. And this situation was like the only thing that spurred them getting rid of you so it's like that battle of being like well if they wanted to keep you at the end of the day they would have but there's a business thing and I think that's why personally I was just like it is what it is like I'm not upset about it or I don't feel no type of way right right and and I'm sure you've seen this before Jimmy uh being at that level like a lot of times guys might get jobs because their agent knows another agent that knows the GM and so they owe that guy a favor and so then a lot of guys get deals that way as well it is a who you know game for sure. Uh, it, it ain't no if if you think it's normal hoops, I, I'd be telling people at that level it it's business first. These teams are corporations first, and then they're basketball teams. So what was so mentally, man? Like, like, or just like, what did that experience? That specific moment right there, like when you transitioned from the G League and now you're back home. Like, what did that moment right there teach you? Uh, that moment just showed me about the business side of it a little bit more. It, it it gave me a little bit more motivation and grind to be like, you started to catch a groove. Like you're, it's like you tasted it. I tasted like, oh, that dream, right? That dream you had since you were a kid. It's like, I, you feel like you're one step removed because like I'm in the same building practicing as Kevin Durant. I'm, I mean, Kevin Love. Like I'm in the same vicinities. I'm right there. I'm hooping with guys that pl- some of them played in the NBA already and stuff. So you feel like you're right there. And then when you get cut, it's like, okay, you got a little bit more to go, like a little bit more grinding to do. So that was my mindset in that moment of just like, just stay with it. You were right there. Like, let's get back at it. And so then I know you're, you're back in the grind mode. You're back in the, you know, you're back home. What, what's the, the, like, the question is, I know it's annoying of like, yo, so what, what's next? Like, what are your, what's your opportunities now? And, and that question I know for every single person is hard. But for you, what was your, like, what's, what's now, what's next for you? Like, what are you doing to prepare yourself for the next new opportunity that may be coming? So in that moment, I had the option of, like, do you want to go overseas or do you want to try the G League stuff again? And I was like, you know what? It went well last time. I want to try the G League stuff again. So I had overseas opportunities I could have done. But my agent was like, bet, like, we're going to do what you want to do. So we went into basically the same process before, just hitting teams up seeing about workouts and stuff, but I was in the mode of like, I I was a little, I was too prideful in the moment. So my brain was like, I hate that I did this looking back. It was like, well, I played for a G league team, so I'm not going to do workouts for another team. When I went straight to training camp before. So like Mm -hmm. anything less than that, I would say no to. So like if team was like, Hey, we like you, but we want you to come work out. I was like, yeah, why would I do that? When I could just go to training camp again. So that's where, like, my mind was at. So, like, I went through that however many months or whatever, and then there's basically the process starts back over. Memphis hit me up, and they were like, you can come to our training camp. So I was like, cool, like, whatever. They invited me to a training camp. That's more than 
what these other teams were offering. Let me do that. Which was, looking back, I mean, I didn't know this in the moment. It was an awful decision to do that. I should have done the workouts and then decided after. Why do you say that? Because Memphis was probably the biggest eye-opening experience, like probably life-changing for the better, even though it turned out bad in the moment. was. So I went to Memphis, and then after, like, so I'm going through the training camp and stuff, right? They were like, when I first went in, they said, there's four of y'all competing for two spots. And I'm of the mindset is I don't care who's in this. You put me in a room with four other dudes and say two of y'all got to come out alive. Not just like, you know what I mean? Like two spots out of four. I'll like, I'll be damned if I'm last. You know what I mean? Last second to last. So I'm like, cool. I'm down with that. I get there. It's going really good. Like I'm, I'm playing well. Like the coaches are showing love this and the third. But then I'm like the dudes that came in with me that were like competing for the spots. I remember we were lifting. And they were talking, they were like, hey, like, I'm pretty sure we going to the crib. And I'm looking like, I don't know who we is, gang. I'm a, <laughs> I don't know who we is. I'm, I'm doing my thing out here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, but, and then he was like, no, because I was talking to my agent and like, they only have one spot open. And I was like, one? And he was like, and they just traded for the rights to a guy. So like, they just acquired the rights to a guy and he was coming in like that next day. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, no, like, I remember there being 12 spots, not 11. He was like, no, there's 11 spots, and they just brought a dude in. So the four of us are to the crib. So I'm like, dang, no way they they finessed us, right? I'm like, so I'm ignoring it just sort of like, you know, I know how dudes talk, you know what I mean? And in my brain, I was like, I'm going to be real. Y'all boys wasn't playing the best, you know what I mean? You wasn't hooping the best. So, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm thinking it's a little bit of that. Yeah. I get back to my room, my little hotel room, and I really start thinking about it. So I'm like, let me do a little bit of my research. It comes out. I'm like, oh, it is 11 spots. So I'm like, dang. So it is one open spot. And then logically, I'm like, they went and grabbed a spot from, like, they got a player. They just brought a player in. So I'm like, you wouldn't get the rights to a player to not keep them. So then I'm like, dang, did we just get finessed? Like, because keep in mind, I went there early before training camp to, like, play pickup. And without the us, like, the dudes that were there early, there wouldn't have been enough to, like, play and stuff. So then I'm like, dang, was I a training camp body? So then I started thinking, like, am I a, was I a training camp body, like, to where, like, it really didn't matter what I did type deal? Mm-hmm. And to this day, like, I'll be honest with you. I'm always going to keep it real. I felt like that ended up what it ended up being. Like, I felt personally, like, after it was all said and done and, we played, we had a scrimmage to where I had like a double-double in the scrimmage. Like I was hooping. And then after they called uh, us into the room, they're like, hey, like, we just want you to know, like, we're, we're, you're not making the final roster spot. Whoop-de-whoop. We really liked you. Like you were playing really well. But, you know, they give you the spiel or whatever. So then I come out and all the four dudes that came in that were quote-unquote competing for the spot got cut. So then I'm like, dang, like, did I really end up being a training camp spot, like a filler type deal? Which that is where I mentally I was like, damn, like that's what put me over the edge of like I've had too much. Like that's when I start thinking about, dang, the COVID ruined all the stuff I had going after that. I got cut from the Cavs thing that was going good. Now I come here thinking it's an opportunity and it really ended up not being or like from my perspective, whether that's true or not. We don't know at the end of the day, but from my perspective, that's what it felt like. So then 
this, the thing I don't like about the G League stuff and the timing of all this is that if it doesn't work out for you, when you try to do the overseas stuff again, like you have to go into another like two month waiting period because yeah. like this started already. So now I'm like back at the crib again for like in a span of three years, basically, I've played half of a season professionally. So I'm like, that's the moment I'm sitting on that couch and like I was, my soul felt defeated. Like I felt like crying, like my soul, not even my physicalness felt like crying. I just felt defeated. Like, damn, like I've caught in the shit end of the stick every time. And I was like, I've given personally, physically as a human, everything I could give and something in my brain, not even my brain. It was my soul talking. He was like, you got two options. You can quit. Or, and continue to do what you're trying to do, which has gotten you here. And something said, or you can give it to give it to God, give it to Jesus, mm -hmm. and give it all to him. Because there was personal stuff going on in my life, too, with, like, my dad. And, like, he was sick, and he had just recently passed away. So all this stuff, emotion comes to me at one time. And that's when I was like, in that moment, I literally remember, and I was like, God, I promise you this. I will praise you and give you all the praise if you just take all this burden that I feel off of me and ne never let me feel this again like I don't care where you take my life if it's not basketball if it's whatever I just don't want to feel like this again and since that moment like everything has been on the up and up that's beautiful yeah, is, um, yeah. You know, I, felt, I felt that right there I really did like, that's beautiful seriously man. uh yeah that is and I that's crazy part is this is the first time I probably ever like talked about it with other people other than like my mom like that like that was like the worst point in my life like I don't think I've ever I haven't ever felt like that before like it was like a weird like deep sadness that like it wasn't anything physical it was like something deep inside like felt like tearing up and like bawling crying and it so, was like I never wanted to feel like that again yeah I'm saying I'm, I'm sure that that especially that point was like you got where you wanted to, and it, you're one step away from, like, like for every basketball player to get to the NBA, you're one step away from from touching that league, and it was like, dang, it just kind of got pulled, the rug got pulled from under you, it felt like, I'm, I'm sure. And you you go into that mode of, like, like, I start thinking about, then I'm thinking about back to high school, and I'm like, dang, I, in that moment, I'm like, do I feel like a failure to other people that were like rooting for me? Like, damn, did I just let the, the city down, let the homeboys down, let the family down? You know what I mean? Like you start thinking like, damn, like they've been waiting for years to see like rooting you on and always being behind you. And I'm like, damn, am I going to like fail here? And then have to live with like the people being like, I don't think like that now, but in that moment, that's like all the stuff that was coming into me at like one time, just being like, dang, like, I have people that literally did so much for me and like to come here and it turns to nothing. It's like a, it was just like a damn type feeling. But, but you know, Jimmy, you're the people that truly support you and love you. Like they're going to, they're going to be happy for you no matter the situation, like no matter oh, yeah. what you go through. Looking back now, my frame of mind after that moment of like growing and self-reflecting is like, I would say the biggest mindset change is like, I don't do anything now to like prove anybody right or wrong. I just do things to like prove the person that God wants me to be right. Like I want to prove God right. And like, this is who I want him to be. And like, that's who I want to project to the world. And, and you know what, Jim, it's almost like, so you, when you were just talking, it made me think about how like 
a lot of times we have to get to that lowest point in our life, bro. That lowest point where we feel like we're the most defeated and it's like we have nothing else. That's where God like gets us to to show us like, yo, know, like I need you to rely completely and solely on me. And so like, he needs he gets us to that point to mm. increase our faith in him, bro. So I completely understand what you're talking about. For sure. I just expect with the faith thing, I just feel like that was the and I always think like, so God knows your path and your plan. I just felt like he took me through that because like, for one, he knew I wasn't ready for like the blessings he had for me. Like when I think back to how I thought in those days and like the person I was, basketball aside, I definitely wasn't ready for any like type of blessing, great blessing he had for me. Like I wasn't ready. Like I wouldn't have known how to handle it. It would have changed me. I would have done things I didn't want to do. I would have, he kept me from a whole bunch of problems. And as bad as I felt in that moment, he was like, you're going to feel worse down the road if you continue on the path you're on. And sometimes you got to show you like where it hurts the most. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy talking right now, man. I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> he's doing that to you. He do that to you, man. I'm telling you. In the past two years, I've done so much growth as like a, as a, I think Dre can attest that as a person, like, the person I was in high school is like, <laughs> it's just funny to think back, like the things I used to do and say. <laughs> Dre knows, like I was a wild one. I was a wild one. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> a wild one. No, no remorse, like no like filter on any I barely have a filter now. So you can imagine <laughs> I used to be like. <laughs> Oh all my right, God! All right, so Jimmy, so talk to us, man. So, so you're back home again, like you said. We're spending three years, yeah, like half a season. So we're back home now after the Memphis uh, training camp. What comes next? What happens next? So then I come. I had to get out Columbia because I just felt like, like I was like I was talking to my mom like I can't be productive in Columbia. I just feel like there's just I don't know. It's weird vibes in Columbia. Like it just. Drake in a test, like, I just feel like it's a black hole. You get stuck in this, this very, like, uh, you're very content in Columbia. Like, you don't want to really do much. Ambition gets low, and you're just like, eh, I get that feeling when I'm back home. So I was like, I got to get back to Dallas. So I end up moving back here. And uh, I had two homeboys that I played with in school that they were living there together. And they were like, bro, you can, I have cousins here too, but they're like, hey, come and move in with us, bro. It'll be all good. Whoop de whoop. So I came here and I lived with a couple of different people. Uh, like my sister, I lived with her. I'm staying with her right now, but I lived with her and I lived with two of my homeboys. And then um, I was just working out. I was just like, I was in the point of like a self growth period of like, I'm just gonna dive into that good word and just work out and just not even worry about what the future has. Like whatever God got for me, he'll give it to me in due time. So I was going through that and then by the blessing, I randomly got a call from my agent. He was like, hey, there's an opportunity in Mexico. They're looking for a player. They want you to come up there. You'll be on the team, this, that, and the third. And he was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, hey, send me anywhere. But it's always funny because growing up, I always used to be like, I don't want to go overseas. Like, I don't like it. To this day, I'll be honest with you, I don't like it. Like, mm -hmm. I'll do it because my passion and, like, I think my calling's above that. But if you ask me as the person, like, I hate going overseas. I don't like it at all. Like, I'm just not that type of person. I'm comf I'm one of those where I find, where I get comfortable, I want to be there. Like, I'll end my life in Dallas. Like, I love Dallas. 
I have no passion to move or go anywhere else. I'm just that type of person. But I was like, send me anywhere. I'll do it. Like wherever I need to be. So I went to Mexico and that was like a, that got me back to feeling in terms of basketball wise, like I'm back to being who I really was as a player, even in college. Like I always didn't feel like I was the player I was supposed to be. But when Mexico came around and I came back, I was like, I'm back. Like, okay, I'm feeling good. I was, I can, I can <laughs> really, Jimmy, I can relate to you, man. Ever to you said that you, uh, you want to be, you're like, he's like staying in one spot, man. But like, oh, yeah, I'm telling I, I'm not a big traveler. Like, I'm not the, I got to see the world. Hey, <laughs> I, I could see nothing outside of Dallas for the rest of my life and I'd be perfectly happy. Perfectly. <laughs> I don't need it. Not a fan. Don't want to live nowhere else. <laughs> I'm a simple, I'm a simple man. Very simple. He's a true Texan, man. He's a true Texan. He's ask, a true ask great, but I tell you in, in the group message, all I need is some bread and a good joint and I'm cooling. I'm <laughs> Give me some bread and a good joint and I'm good, fellas. I'm trying to tell you guys. Oh. <laughs> He's not lying. He's being 100% honest right now. And this is authentically him. He's telling the truth. Um, but like I will I want to say the growth you had when you went to when you got your chance in Mexico like what spurred that about and it wasn't even just like I want to say just like how you said like yo I feel like I really just got back to myself what were just those those like little building blocks where you just seen like all right I'm taking the right steps in the right place like what were those things you kind of kind of seen along the way like all right what were you doing like oh I'm I'm doing more. I'm I'm back to my old self. Like I'm I'm back to playing how I want to. I think so. So going into it, I feel like I have like a clear, clearer view of like everything. Like being able to see things for what they are. My faith was at an all time high. That like, like I was knee deep in it. I was excited to have an opportunity to actually just play basketball there. And it was like a clean slate. Like in Mexico, like they knew who I was, but not really. You know what I mean? Like. We've seen some tape on you. We saw your numbers and we know you played at Arkansas, but past that, I couldn't really tell you anything about your game. So it's like, you can be any person you want to be here. And it's like, where do I want to go? Where does the Lord going to take me? And it's like, I went back to like, I felt like high school, like how I was playing, just free. Like you go there, you prove, it's like a proving thing. I go there, prove to people. They're like, oh, this dude's nice. Then it gets to the point where they're just like, hey, go out and just do your thing like just go hoop and I just felt free out there just hooping playing and it was back to like really and loving enjoying basketball again like truly loving basketball like you're not dealing with the the thinking about the politics of it or anything else what this person wants you to do with that person like I was just out there hooping just enjoying it mm. that's all you can really ask for especially at the professional level, I think, and Sean, you can attest to this too, like, you get to certain places, man, they give you a role, you play outside that role, it's like, hey. You're on that pine, or you're at the creek. Hey, my boy, you, oh, you you shooting too much? Hey, we got, we go ahead and get you up out of here. Yeah, we you, gotta play play it, you gotta come lay it down. And yeah. Mexico is one of those places, like, Janice, we talked about this before we started the show, they'll send you home with the quickness. They will, they, hey, I, because I played in Mexico, I think, uh, the year before you got there, Jimmy, and 
I me and my teammate got there at the same time. He lasted literally one game. Literally one game they sent him home after that. And that's that was an eye-opener for me, but I had never seen that side of the business before. Yeah. So I got there, I kid you not. I was and I was there from top to bottom. Which I is rare. I, that's super rare in Mexico. Yeah. I've seen dudes, they come in. I'm telling you, they came in, they don't get but one practice, play the next play the next day. Cause in Mexico, you play the back-to-backs. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you play back to back, you get a day break, then you play back to back. So you play like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever. Mm-hmm. He came, played the had a practice, didn't play the Monday game, played the Tuesday game, played like decent. Like he didn't play bad, like he just got there. Played. By that Wednesday, I saw another player come in and I said, Dang, how you get here so quick? Yeah, bro, they flew me in. So you start thinking, so you know, people start thinking, like, dang, who's spotty coming in? Yep. Dude had another practice that had got there. Game day came up. We had an away game. He came on a trip. He gets on the bus. They wait till we get to the hotel and they tell him, they say, hey, uh, the head coach comes and he was like, yeah, management, I don't know why they didn't tell you. Like, they said they were like a little scared about it, but um, basically you weren't supposed to come on this trip. You're supposed to be on a flight back to the crib. He had the Uber three hours back to the crib to pack his bags, and they sent him on that flight. He was there for all but four days, four or five days. Wait, 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 wait. He Ubered back. So you guys get, get to the hotel for an away game. We they drove to- we the bus. We went three hours away. They waited till like, and this wasn't like right when we got off the bus. This was hours after we've been there. They come to the room. They call the head coach calls him. He comes to the room and he's like, hey, um, I don't, I'm sorry, I got to give you this message. Management was supposed to tell you before we left, but you're not supposed to be on this trip. And the reason it happened is because he hit management up because he was like, why am I, why don't I have a room? He was like, I don't got no room or no roommate. And the management ignored him. So then the head coach was like, yeah, you got to go back to the crib. The head coach paid out of his own pocket to send him back to the crib on an Uber. And keep in mind, this is Mexico. This ain't the Uber Blacks. You're not getting no Uber nope. XL. Nope. Yeah. You in the you in the chum bucket <laughs> sliding <Nice>. back. <laughs> you sliding in a chum bucket back to the crib three hours. I was like, yeah, it's a dirty game out here. For three dirty hours, it's crazy as well. And the, one thing about Mexico, they don't tell you when you're on the fringe of getting cut. Like, they just bring new players in and then look at you and say, oh, yeah, time to go. Nope, nope. Like that that new player player will be at your apartment saying, Hey, you gotta leave because they're moving me into your apartment right now. Have his bags at your door and be like, Oh, you still here? Dang. It's like we had players come in and they came and they told us like because after a while you you start to when you've been there the whole time, like me and another player last the whole year. So you start to figure out the 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 song and dance. So when dudes start coming in, we just start asking them, like, hey, what management tell you? Like, who you coming here for? And they start being like, hey, like two dudes came and they said, I'm going to be honest with you. They told us none of y'all was supposed to be here but Jimmy. Like, so we were surprised when we saw y'all still here. We like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So there's times where they kept people longer than they were supposed to be there. And then there was some times where like some dude was about to get booted, but then he played like a crazy good game. And they were like, all right, let's just keep them both and just see what happened. So you got dudes that like, because you can only have – Six active, uh, like foreigners, quote unquote, on the roster. 
there was times where we had nine people there. So three people are sitting on the side, like in street clothes, cause they can't play. And like, wow. they're just putting people in and out each game to see who plays well. And then sending the others to the crib. It was crazy. Coaches got done in. I had a coach come in. This is the funniest story. He came in and he was like, um, this was our third coach we had. He was, he was telling us, he was like, Hey, let's be honest here before they get rid of y'all. Um, before they get rid of me, they're going to get rid of y'all. They already got a new coach. So what do you think is going to happen? I looked at my teammate that was there. I said, he going he gonna to have to eat them words. He better chill out saying that. He must not know how it go down here. He got into some beef with one of our other players who was like a hometown hero in Mexico. They love dude. Dude went to management and said, huh, I'm not playing for him, him or me. Sent the coach to the crib. Sent them packing. I said, you shouldn't have said that when you got here. Talking about, are they going to get rid of y'all or get rid of me? I said, hey, it's a dirty game out here, boy. You're going to end up at the crib talking like that. Yeah, Mexico, oh Mexico might be the most cutthroat market in overseas basketball. Cutthroat. Cutthroat. My boy just went back out there for that LNBP league. And oh, I was dude. talking to him, and he said, brother, I was like the seventh player to get here, and I've seen three dudes get booted. Crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's really like that, man. Hey, Mexico is wild. Oh, my God. Hey, I'm about to grab a charger real quick. It hum but it, it does humble you, though, bro. Like, I mean, and you remember, I'd be calling you stressed out when I was in Mexico, yeah. man. I'd be like, yo, like, I, I, I think they're about to send me home right now, man. <laughs> Bro, it was only it's only funny because we we were talking about it. I'd be like, bro, you averaging like twenty, you good? He said, that bro. but you but, said, but bro, that don't mean nothing, bro. You home? It don't matter. There was times where I was like, hey, I might be going to the crib. Literally, like, 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 literally, it doesn't like you could be like Jimmy's like you could be adding twenty five and eight and seven, and then they'll find the littlest reason to send you home, bro, because they think the guy they bring in is the next Michael Jordan, bro, like. Hey, I'll, and I'll be honest with you. There, I I would go back to Mexico, and I got a lot of love for them because they helped my career tremendously. But they, as a whole, don't really know hoops like that. So, like, no. like they they'll take a big name over you and your like what you're actually doing. So, like, there could be a a a, a 10, 15 year retired uh, Jared Dudley that like ain't hooped in a hundred years, but the fact that he's Jared Dudley, they'll look at you averaging 25 and 10 and be like, you got to go. <laughs> you yeah, gotta, literally, literally. You got to go. We need, him, we need him. But you know, but you know, I, I do want to give some credit to Mexico. They probably have the best fan base I've ever oh, seen. Oh, it'd be live. At them, them fans be active at them games. Unbelievable. They Unbelievable. love it. They love it out there. Yeah, yeah. So I will give them some credit right there. Aside from that, though, super cutthroat and whew, so humbling, man. Mexico really humbling, yeah. bro. <laughs> Mexico is different. It's different. I've never seen so much movement on a basketball team in a, like, four-month season in my life. Nine players and three different coaches is insanity. And then if that's, like, if that's your first, like, overseas spot, you start thinking everywhere is like that. But yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's not. We had I had some dudes that played in Europe and they were like, yo, this is like this is not over like this isn't normal. Like because we had some dudes <laughs> that was their first time and he was like, I promise y'all this is not normal. Like this is crazy. This yes. This thing. Hey, we already know about the year. We already know about yeah. the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Believe me, we we know about it. 
<laughs> the only I also give Mexico credit too because they did pay me on time every time. I, I like direct deposit. Well, you got direct deposit. Okay, I was getting I was getting cash. Yeah, no, a yeah. lot of dudes get cash, but I told him I said, uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't trust it. I need that direct deposit. Fair enough. <laughs> I I don't, I don't trust them pesos. I don't know them guys. <laughs> I don't know them guys. Washington. I don't know buddy on the $20 bill, the $500 bill you got. I don't know him. (laughs) I love him. Hey, he he looked like cool people. I personally just don't know God. I don't know him. Nah, Jim, you didn't want that cartel money, bro. That's all it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to kick it with Ben and them, Ben Frank and them boys. I I don't know who this is. You gave me a a one peso coin, a 50 cent peso coin. I don't know these guys. Oh my God! All right, so Jimmy, some of the some of the things you did while you were in in Mexico. All right, we gonna you were ball, you were killing, you were balling out. I would say, who you know, while you were there, what were some of the differences you like you seen between there and you know just college and just American hoops as a whole? You know, it's fun. I, I think Mexico try one that league specifically too. They try to emulate the NBA because they like it so much. So like, it's different in terms of you get six, uh, again six like foreigners, but they're usually all American, and then they're basically playing the whole game. So like, I'm not. People think it's like, like I was playing against like, like people from Mexico, which they were on the team. But the majority of the time, I'm playing against dudes like I know from the G League that are in the league. You know what I mean? Like dudes that are like like can hoop for real. And I'm like, it was like different in that sense. So the competition was like good. It wasn't like I'm playing against straight bums. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's good comp, good good hoops, good runs. The the style of play is they try to emulate the NBA. So it's super uh, scoring oriented. They even change the minutes, right? It's 12 minute quarters and they get yeah. six bounces. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Four 12 minute ones. So it's like I either four twelve or four ten, like one of the two. But like you're the games are in we had plenty of games like one ten to like one twenty something or like one ten to one hundred something. Like it's mm-hmm. a high pace of play. Definitely. It's not like Europe at all, I would no, say. Like not, not even similar at all in like styles way more americanized style than like europe or anything like that that's true but that's why but that's why a lot of guys do like going to mexico though because it's almost more free flowing more freedom to do what you want yeah it's definitely more if you're like an american it and you're like what league can i go to that's more comfortable to what i'm used to it's like i would say like a mexico like a south america is like way more would be your style than like a Greece or an Italy or something. Right. And like you said, you were, when you were down there, you were playing against G League guys. I hate that there's this notion that, or, you know, there's there's this stigma that Latin America and South American leagues aren't credible or aren't good. But dude, there's so many G League guys and former NBA guys that play in those leagues. Like you were in the Cuba Copa, like that's pretty much all NBA guys and all G League guys on those teams, man. Oh, yeah. Like I, like when I'm, it, and it surprised me too, right? Because I had never been overseas at that point. So in my brain, I'm like Mexico. I don't know what to expect. I'm thinking like, shoot, I'm gonna go play against, you know, my boys down there, my boy Carlos. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. gonna go hoop the guys. But then when I got there, I'm like, dang, like I know you, like Jamon, my boy Aaron, like dudes I've seen in the G League, and I know I'm like, dang, I didn't know y'all was down here. 
and like it's good hoops and like it's good because when you leave it's credible for other places you want to like some other place you want to go like though because i know there's some leagues out there like if you go to it like they just don't respect it as much like teams look at it and they're just like eh, you were playing that league good like that's all right but like especially for me when i've talked to other teams and like g league team and stuff and they see like the resume and numbers of what i did over there they're like oh snap like this is respectable because like we've had guys come over there and come back and play in the G or this, that, and the third or whatever. And so, so now you, you come back, you're still working, you're still working out. Obviously, you know, you got the shoulders out, you got the arms out. Uh -huh. <laughs> what, what is next for Jimmy Witt? What's, what's on the, what's on the radar? Man, I, I'm, I was back on the, on the G league wave. Cause I, I'm telling you, I got that itch. I got that. I'm not in that – I know, like, I feel like there's two paths people go at this point in their career. You go to, like, okay, I just want to hoop, make some money, like, get your life started. Nothing wrong with that. I'm still in that point of, like, I'm still pushing that dream because I was so close at one point. Mm -hmm. And I just am, like, until the Lord is pushing me in a different direction and, like, I feel it deep down where I'm, like, all right, I want to do something else. I'll do it. I still got that passion. So I've been – I did a whole bunch of G League workouts – and uh, they went really good. So, like, the draft is in on the 28th. I've been talking to some teams that are, like, we're looking at really drafting you into the little G League draft. So, we'll see how that turns out. But I don't really think about it now at this point in my life, honestly. I'm just working out day to day and, like, enjoying my days because, like, I'm not going to get these back at any point. So, I'm like, whatever happens, like, if it's back overseas, if it's the G League, I'm like, the Lord got it. Like, I don't think about it. I don't stress. Dre, UBC, we just be clowning in the little group chat <laughs> or I'm kicking it with my people up here, enjoying time with them. Like, I don't be really thinking about it, honestly. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that it is not, you know, a burden on you mentally and, and spiritually. It's not a burden on you. So I feel like especially the overseas hoop life, I think anybody that's been through it knows the amount of unknown you can live in on a day to day basis, just mm -hmm. like this. I, and it's hard for people that haven't been in it when they're like, hey, what are you doing this year? And you're like, oh, I don't know. And they look at you sort of crazy like, dang, like, and they always take it as if, like, it's like a bad thing, right? Like, you don't know. Oh, man, how are you going to make money? How are you going to do this? And it's like, I just don't know because that's the nature of the business. Like, I know you're used to seeing, like, American hoops and stuff where you get these yearly contracts. But I'm like, overseas is usually year to year. So, like, when I'm done hooping, I don't know. Like, you're going to ask me. And 90% of the time, I'm going to tell you, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I can give you an idea, but I truly don't know until it happens. Yeah, you are a contractor. Like, sign up for. Damn. Yo, Jimmy, literally everything you just said, like, it hit my my core, bro. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know that feeling of, like, when I'm telling people, they're like, what are you doing? Family, friends, like, so where are you playing? Oh, I don't know. And it's like that awkward look they give you, like, oh, snap. Like, they're concerned, and you're like – it is what it is. Like, it's part. I don't know what else you want me to tell you. It's the nature of the business. <laughs> and it seems like a, a lot of times they're more worried about it than you are. Because you're like, it's like, if it comes, it comes. But I'm just so used to it. Like, we're not tripping. Like, you don't got to worry. Relax. <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah. And then, but then when you like, when you express that level of faith and like confidence, then they kind of look at you funny again. Like, yo, like, but you're, but you don't know what's about to happen. So like, yeah, like, you don't know anything. And it's just like, <laughs> 
it's one of those things I always tell people, you have to be in it to really understand like the feeling and like what I'm trying to tell you. But that's why it's so important to have like a good support system. Like, cause like Dre knows what it was like when I, when I was took a couple months off, like I was struggling, I was going through it. Like I didn't know when I was going to get my next contract, but yeah. Dre was there to support me through all that, man. And like, cause he had been through it. So he knew what it was like. So like, Having that support system, man, is so beneficial. I've been focused on recently is like building a good community. Like I'm at my sister's right now. She's eating Popeyes. I don't know what she's doing. Just smacking in the background. (laughs) (laughs) She just whispered, smashed it in the background. So like just kicking it with people I care about and like people that support you and like love you and know they're genuinely like care about you. Like that's what I spend most of my time doing because if not, I understand how people get in that mindset of like the unknown. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow to hoop life. Like I've seen friends go through it and like, you really need, especially in this line of work, like you need that support system. That's going to push you sometimes when you don't want to be pushed, tell you the real, when you don't want to hear, but also be there when they're like, this is what I want to do. And they're like, all right, bet I'm right behind you with it. Yes. Yes. Like this is one profession where, I can genuinely confidently say persistence is rewarded every single time. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, keep pushing, and it, it will come eventually. Like, it'll come. It don't always come how you want it and how, like, you've always may have dreamed it, but it's going to come how, for personally, I think it always comes how you need it. it may not come how you want it, but it's going to come how you need it. Yeah, that's how God be working, though, man. Mm-hmm. Let's say and then for for those you know for some of the people who don't really know what you do like outside of just hoops, uh, one of the things I didn't get a chance to do, but I know you started being you know a little more philanthropy and you started your your own organization. Can you talk about that a little bit as well? Uh, I went. In, I had to give back to the kids. You know, I I got a soft spot for the kids, man. You know how it goes. No, but for for I did want to um the Arkansas community, especially when I went back. When I went back, there's always obviously when you leave, there's those group of people that talk. Boom, boom. But when I went back, they were really like opening to the idea and like showed an immense amount of love through my career. Even now, Arkansas, they show crazy, crazy love. And I've always been the person like I do want to give back to communities and people that really like supported me. So I did the. And Columbia, I did the Wit Basketball Academy where I went to Hickman. And the cool thing about it was I got a whole bunch of sponsors to, like, sponsor the kids to come, like, whoever wanted to come. So, like, a lot of it, I couldn't do 100% of it this first time around year, but a lot of it was paid for by, like, sponsors and, like, other people. So people got to come for free. So, like, wow. these aren't these weren't camps where they're, like, spending a whole bunch of bread. So the one in Columbia, I want to say almost everyone came for free. Like all the kids, uh, they got to come for free. And it's just passing on my knowledge to them, like wisdom, basketball-wise, but a lot of stuff outside of basketball-wise, but also trying to give them like an enjoyable memory of like, this is someone that grew up how I grew up. We went to the same high school and he's giving back. And like, this is fun. Like, cause I think we fail to realize each and every one of us, like there's a People, someone out there looks up to you like no matter who it is they're watching you and they're thinking about the things you do and they really take it to heart and once I realize my impact on people I'm like let me go back to these communities and like actually do something for them and not just basketball like 
I try to focus the especially the camps with younger kids. Like I just want you to have a good time. I don't even care if you get better at basketball. Like basketball is just to get you in the door because that's what I do, and it's our common ground. But like I remember when I was in Arkansas, the last day I had a whole bunch of kids, and I was like, "What do y'all want to do today?" And they were like, I said, we can just play games if you want to. Like, we don't have to do anything basketball related. And I partnered with the Potter's House. So they have, like, a whole bunch of underprivileged kids and stuff. So they came. The last day, we were playing red light, green light for an hour. And they, like, loved it. Like, we didn't even play basketball. They were all like, we can play red light, green light if you want to. They are like, yeah, let's do that. I'm just out there. Red light, green light. For an hour straight, they don't get tired of it. And then I remember the first day, they were like, we want to dunk. Learn how to dunk. And I was like. You kids are two feet tall. You can't dunk. Sorry to break your dreams, but I'll see if I can figure something out. And then the last day, I was like, y'all remember what you want me to teach you? And I rolled the um, hoops down super low, and we just picked the kids up, and they dunked. So it's like things like that. And then talking to the Potter's House after, they were like, like months later, they were like, yo, the kids still talk about, like, you coming up there and doing that and how much fun it was. And it had zero to do with basketball. They were just like, it was just so fun, like, he let us dunk. Like, he was so cool. And I was just like, I take that stuff to heart. Yeah, I was say, and, you know, some people don't, some people don't get the time to do that. And I think, especially for you, I think that that's one way of just giving back in, in your own way that I think all those kids will, that's a memory that will last forever. I will 100% say that. Like, I still remember hanging out with the Mizzou guys for like a camp. Yeah. When I was in like sixth grade, seventh grade. And it's, it's just one of those things where, like, I've seen people not do it. And I've just always sort of been like, dang, like, I remember being young and wishing I could be around this person or that person. And I've seen peers of mine get in positions and, like, don't do anything. And I'm just like, dang, you can't, like, I've had kids ask me about you type, you know what I mean? Like, type deal, like, can you get this person to come, this person? And I'm like. I don't think we really realize at times the impact you have on other people. And sometimes we always, which is natural, you get caught up in your own world trying to figure out your own stuff where it's like sometimes to move forward, you just got to give to other people and like give and then see, and something good is going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Jerry, so if there's one, one piece of advice in there that you could give to, you know, a young high school student or a young college student or a young professional like you, what what is one piece of advice that you could give to them? Mm, what would I say to the young ones? Um, I would say the the best piece of advice is um, I don't want it's not it's not the stereotypical obviously follow your dreams, but like I would say that you have to one find out like and this is comes with growth and this is later year stuff but like what genuinely makes you happy and understanding that like i feel like once you come to understand that thing things are bigger than you in the world Hmm. you get a good grasp on your life and you'll be able to handle your ups and downs more like you'll be able to handle life's trials and tribulations when you realize that like you are a part of something that's way bigger than you once you start to think you are the center of your world or the world, it's when problems hit you, everything crumbles, if that makes sense. Like once trials and tribulations and hard times hit you, if you don't realize that like I'm just a part of something bigger, it can minimize 
how you view your problems because everything in life is perspective. So once I start to put myself at the center of everything, that's when when problems hit. I'm like, dang, the whole world's crumbling around me. This is going bad. That's going bad. Where it's like, no, this is just a small time in a small portion of the grand scheme of things. So like for me, I put God first. So when I know God's purpose is just so much bigger than everything, these little things that get thrown at me by the enemy, I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Like I'm part of something so much bigger and greater than me. And I'm on a path that's so much bigger than this small moment. Like, but I feel like that's like upper level thinking. <laughs> like kid, I can't tell that to a kid and he'll understand it. So like, I would literally just tell a kid, just keep pushing. Like whatever, whatever happens, keep pushing, find a good group of people you care about yeah. and y'all push each other, take care of each other. Yeah. There we go. I'll say, and I think that that's beautiful. And, you know, most people will, I will say, I've seen people literally tell kids, you know, don't follow the dream, follow what's best for you. And I'd be like, ah, it's not the best thing to say. So I completely agree with you. And I, I love that message that you would have for, especially someone who's either looking to go in your profession or just, you know, kind of looks up to you and may follow your footsteps in that way. Yeah. I, I, I can't get behind those people that, that I'm always about, if you got a dream, go for it. It gets hard. I would tell them it, it's going to get hard. You will consider quitting with, and that's really where people don't accomplish your dreams, right? There's no problem with quitting. Everybody has their threshold of, failure they can take and I just feel like that's what greatness is right you just have a higher threshold of failure some people get to college division one but failure comes after and they're like well I've had enough some people are like shoot you're gonna have to bury me in that ground before I quit nothing's <laughs> wrong with any of them it's just how big of a threshold of failure do you have yeah and so now it, it comes to my one my one big question your top 10 Oh, who, who is your top 10, Jimmy? Let's see. Let's in order or I'll do it in gen. I'll do an order. I don't know why dudes do in general. That's soft. We're going to do an order <laughs> top to bottom. I, people be on the, you know, I'm talking about people be in the interview. I'd be seeing them on TikTok. They'll be no order. No, we give it an order. And you know, who's number one, you know, who's number one. The only per, and this is, I want to, I'll give a disclaimer players I've seen. I can't judge a man I ain't seen who. I'm not one of those dudes that's going, Jordan, <laughs> trust me on it. I don't trust you, brother. I ain't seen Jordan. So Kobe Bean is number one on the list. <laughs> number one, Kobe Bean Bryant. Number two, I'll give it to, I'll give it to Braun. I'll give Braun two for sure. I'll give Braun two. And keep in mind, these are just players I've seen. I'm not, so you won't hear no Larry Birds or Magic or nothing. I ain't seen them boys. <laughs> I ain't seen them boys. Three, I might, I, I'll, I'll go Tim. I'll go Tim Duncan. I'll oh. go Timmy at three. I'll, I'll go Shaq at four. I'll go Shaq four, Timmy oh. at three. Timmy and the only Tim reason, look, look, I think Shaq was way more dominant than Tim. But I think skill-wise, and just what well, I don't know. I, I like Tim. I just think Tim got the edge on that one. But I do like Shaq. So they could be switched. If someone told me to switch them, I wouldn't be opposed. So Tim, Shaq, Shaq, Tim, four or five don't really matter to me. Oh, now we're getting to sticking with players I've seen. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Where are we at? Six? Yeah, I'm at six. six. 
Who do I got this? Uh, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go with players I've seen. I'll go Steph. I'll go Steph. It's six. I like that one. I like I'll that. I'll go one. Steph at six. I'll go Steph at six. Changed the game. Did a lot. I'll go Steph at six. Um. Dang, seven, seven, seven. See, this is when it gets hard because there's so many like comparable players with the seven through ten. Uh, dang. I don't know why this is so hard to seven through tens. Do I want to put? No, I don't want to put D Wade up there. Do I? <laughs> I like do that pick though. Do I want to put Wade up there? I'll go. I'll go. Um. Let's not. I'll, I'll put D Wade at seven. I can go Wade at seven, okay. and I can go. I can go KD at eight. I can go KD at eight. Okay, I like that. Okay, I can go Kevin Durant at eight. I can go Kevin Durant at eight. See Deshaun going through. I, okay, I can go Durant at eight. Keep in mind that these are players I've seen. So like, there's a lot of players that obviously like the the Magics and stuff, the Kareem's that they're just not going to be on here because I ain't seen them play. We have um, we got nine and ten. Your last two. Nine and ten. I'll put. I'll put. Uh, do I want to? I'll put Giannis. I'll put Giannis in there. Oh, Giannis in the top ten. Okay. I'll put Giannis at, Giannis at, at nine. That's a that's a. I'm giving him a little bit because of what I think he'll do in the future too. Like I just think he'll continue to do the same stuff, which is why I'll throw him in there. And then who wants that ten spot? Ooh, look, look, look who I'm gonna go with. Think about it. I'll give 10 to actually put Giannis at 10. Okay. Who's taking nine? I put my boy T-Mac at nine. Oh. Put my boy T-Mac at nine. And disclaimer again, all players I've personally seen. So if I haven't seen them play, I won't put them. I just won't talk about them. I'm, hey, hey, this show list. Deshaun has a, a very different... A very different uh, opinion on you. Where are y'all going? With, with players you, let's go with players you've seen play. Players I've seen. Let's go with players you've seen. Players I've seen, most dominant, just players I've seen. 20-year span. Yeah, you can put – I go Bron at one. Okay. I I Because you – you gotta you gotta respect that. 20 year span over two decades of just dominating and, and putting up numbers in the league. Add it that I'm not that. After that, I think I wanna say probably Shaq two, Kobe three, Timmy four. Who'd be my fifth right there? Also, when we think about this, I'm thinking straight hoops. Like I yeah. know, yeah. I'm not. I'm not putting the rings and all the envy. I'm not. No, really, no, no, no. This I'm is like, like hoops, hoopers, hoopers. I'm, this is people. Kashawn, what do you have to say? You want to? Does, are you, does that? But that plays a factor in it, though. It does, it, does, it does get a little bit of a factor with it. Here's the issue. Here's the issue because once I do that, then a lot of those people I named, I just couldn't put on there. Like T Mac, you're not going. You're not making it, buddy. Sorry to break it to you. So are you saying these are more guys that have been like when you when you're asking me for my top ten and this is just because it's like and the end like this is a long conversation for me but I'm on some okay let me make it the easiest I'm thinking of hoopers I've seen and I'm thinking about straight hoops like yeah. like you're hooping like you you're you can win obviously winning goes into it a little bit but I'm not really thinking MVP I'm thinking like who was killing who's a killer oh so, so would you say this is more so 
some of the best talent, like just talent wise, some of the best you've seen. Yeah, yeah. Best talent you've ever seen. All right, like, yeah. Like Hooper, like we talk yeah. about straight hooping, line the ball up in a pickup five. Who's hooping? Who's yeah. out there balling? I can see that. Okay. That's great. Okay. So what would I say? Shaq was Shaq. Timmy was four. Yeah. Four. I'm going my boy Chef. Obviously, you know I'm going to have Chef in the five. <laughs> you know I'm he going to have Chef in the I'll five. I think even if we're talking about everything as a whole, history. Curry got to be in the top 10. Like, I just don't see how he's not. He had – think – this is what I'm – this, this what I need to do the pod. This is what I'm talking about. Of all-time greats, we have to start thinking, like, there's there's not a big list of people that have impacted the game and will impact – Steph Curry quite literally changed how teams draft players, how they make up their teams, like, everything. Think about it like this. Think about it like this. Dudes, like – who like kind of like the D Roses, like they're just like super athletes and can't like can't quote unquote can't shoot when they came into the league, won't be looked at the same anymore. I'll say this though. I think the league is reverting back to more traditional style hoops. And they're we're coming down off the high of the Warriors and yeah. how they put together their team. Cause teams have tried to like do the let's just get shooters and shoot a whole bunch of threes, but they realize like Steph and Clay were quite literally some of the best shooters to ever grace a basketball. And if you even get shooters slightly worse than that, it looks awful on a basketball court. Like, <laughs> if you take a shooter slightly worse than Steph and say, go do what Steph does, you're going to be like, hey, relax, brother. Like, you're tripping. Go to the basket. <laughs> and I think the recent championships of, like, the Nuggets, teams like that, and, like, when the Lakers won, where they were playing more, like, traditional hoops in terms of like we're going to have bigs that can block shots and rebound we're going to attack the rim and then if you're open a couple times you know knock down to tracy but like the nuggets weren't just this crazy three-point shooting team and when the lakers won you know they definitely were they could barely shoot i think as a team what under third around 30 percent i want to say yeah so yeah so yeah yeah. all right so chef and f5 oh like you said, after the five, it's like everyone gets interchangeable for me. Like I, you can make good arguments after that, where I'm like, oh, okay, I can see it. Now that that I will agree with that, I do agree. With. Like after you get once you get past five, you can be like six and six through ten. It's like you know what I just realized was crazy. You didn't even throw in uh, you just brought up the Nuggets. You didn't even throw in what's name in there. You talking about Mello? No, 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 no Nuggets. They just won a recent championship and their best player. They just won, you know, one MVP. I ain't got nothing to say because I still want to get into the NBA. So I'm not even going to <laughs> I respect it. Don't say anything. So we're not going to say any of that. I'm not going to say that. I just, I just didn't want to make it. So I ain't even going to speak on that one. He got it. He's good. He's tough. He's tough for sure. So, so I'm going to say KD would be in my sixth spot. Obviously, man, that that's obviously one of the greatest scorers we'll ever see. Race of basketball. Uh, Giannis, I think, is seven. But this is messed up because these are all people I've recently seen. So scratch that. KD is – I'm taking D-Wade. I think I like D-Wade over KD, just how nice he was. I like D-Wade. I think people forget how nice D-Wade really was because they we think about LeBron and D-Wade. D-Wade. Huh. D-Wade led the league in scoring one year, was also in the top, I want to say top five in MVP voting. 
should have could had a case actually to to get MVP that year when Braun did, but you know, yeah, they played a little bit favorites. Um, so I'm going. So D Wade's at six, Katie's at seven. I want to say you can put Giannis at eight. This is a hot take, crazy take. When he's playing, I could put Kawhi at nine. We're done. We're done with the pod. It was good seeing y'all boys. And that's no disrespect to Kawhi, but brother. So brother we're not, we don't jack Kawhi, but we, put, we throw brother, a team. At that point, what you're saying is I might as well say when Melo was in his prime, I'll throw him in the top. Like if we're going to start like just picking very minuscule points of people, like I got, I need some guys at Kawhi. I thought I need right. Melo. But I'm saying when Kawhi played, did he not win a chip? He did, but I could just say when Melo played, he was a killer. Like when he was in his yeah. like, I I don't like the when he was like. Okay, I'll like take the- out the when he was. Kawhi as a whole, still was great. Top ten? I'll give it to you. It's your list, not my list. Keep going. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That's on me, not my list. That's a you He's he's a <laughs> hater. He's always been a hater. This man threw in T Mac. But don't want to throw in Kawhi? Like, at least one of them got a chip. But look, I just, I did a disclaimer. And so I'm thinking about straight hoopers. Straight but I mean, hoop. at least, I'm still saying at least one of them, I can be like, hey, he still was killing. He knocked off he knocked off a whole championship, uh, championship roster. And on top of that, he went one year with Toronto. He went one year with Toronto and swept through the East. Yeah, he did that. I mean, the East was down a little bit, but. He did that. He He had a great team, but I'm still saying he pushed them over the top and made them made them a great, greater team. He beat the Warriors in the championship. Yeah. No, no KD, no Clay. I know it's a sick feeling. It's it's sick to say, but yeah. (laughs) I don't believe me when I say it's a sick thing to say. And then Low key, this is a very personal one. I'm gonna say AI at my 10 spot. You're gonna say that. Mm-hmm. AI is like my T Mac pick. <laughs> Low key. You chose AI straight off what he did for the game, like the culture of the game. I'm AI, is tough, AI is tough. Bruh, AI was was cooking out there. And and when you, you know how you say Kobe was like one of granted, I think Kobe was like one of the guys that really made it. If you're under, if you're 30 and under, Kobe made you love basketball. Like he was in there and made you really love basketball. AI low key was also one of the guys where it was like, he made basketball so cool. AI's AI's top five impact to the game for yeah. sure. If we're talking about pure impact to the game and like culture of basketball, AI's top five for sure. Yeah. So I got to throw AI in there. Show him some love, man. Okay. Okay. Solid. Who's your last we got Kashawn. He's a player <laughs> you've seen play, not dudes that you didn't see on the stat sheet or in uh NBA classics. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that we're playing, we're using that sort of dynamic. <laughs> Comple- completely changed my list. Completely changed. Yeah, I know it did. He'd have <laughs> Will. Now, once get into the basketball history, that's when that's what I got to talk because I'm one of those dudes that I think like this no disrespect to any old hooper but like if we go too far into championships then I got to start putting Bill Russell up a lot of spots that I don't want to put him up 
And that's no disrespect to Bill Russell. It's just that, like, once we, I start nitpicking on things, it's like, well, what are we putting first? Mm-hmm. And that becomes a whole different conversation. So I figure like, it's just easier if I'm just like, who's a hooper that you're like, hey, this dude's a straight baller. Okay, so under, under those parameters, I would – and they so only people we've seen physically. Yeah. Honest. I got the numbers for you. Here you go. <laughs> I would have LeBron at one. Um – Tim Duncan at two. Ooh. Shaq at three. Two? The Timmy two step? Tim- <laughs> <laughs> the Timmy two step. Oh my God. Uh, where are we at? Three? We're at three. We're at four. Um, we're at four. You said Shaq at three. I'll get Kobe after that. Kobe four. You have five. Then Steph. Then KD, then D Wade. What am I at right now? Seven. Yes, seven. Mm. Mm, see, it's a little harder when you got <laughs> to think about it like that. Players you done seen. Boy, about to throw in JP Topolo next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the book. You know, I would have to throw Giannis in there. I would throw Giannis in there. Yeah. Hey, oh, we respect big man in this generation. That is insane. <laughs> we don't. No. Also, can we fact that? Uh, Dre tried to set me up with the Nikola Jokic, and he didn't even put Nikola Jokic in his. Hey, I just, want to ask. <laughs> I just asked. I asked a question. He tried to set me up with future unemployment. <laughs> he didn't even put don't, the man in. His don't make it seem like that. I asked you. I was like, "Hey, we didn't throw that man in there." All I've been seeing on ESPN is he's a top five. He's now top three ever big man, and I'm like, "Dang, bro, that's like that's a lot, low key." I just I'm think it's funny. Know. Now he does you don't basketball. get to say anything on this one. You don't. You can't say anything on that. We I want. Like, I just think it's funny how he treats basketball like a true nine to five. Like they're like, hey, did you touch a basketball this summer? He was like, eh, not really. <laughs> He's like, wait, what? He's just like, yeah, you know, I'm not really excited to be in the office, but you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I'm like, yo, what is going on? And you either you either really appreciate that mindset or it irks you so much. Like, there's no in between. Like, yeah, there's no in between. <laughs> And he truly is just doing his job. They're like, how did it feel after winning a champion? Did your life change? Nah, not at all. <laughs> Nothing. I'm like, yo, this dude's different. Oh, it's great. Uh, Gilbert Arenas in my top ten. Number one. Get- you are from D.C. So that listen, makes- listen, listen, listen. Jimmy had T-Mac. You had AI. The Gilbert <laughs> The gunslinger himself. No bad. <laughs> my boy Gilbert. <laughs> I like Gilbert. I like it. I used to use him when he was on the cover of what was that? NBA Live or 2K? NBA Live. That was like 06. He was going crazy on that NBA Live, too. At that time frame, he had DC like in a stranglehold. And like, he had, dude, talking about impact, like he has completely changed DC. Like to this day, people still call him like their favorite, their most favorite. Oh, no. Gilbert is, he's that, he's that guy. He was that guy. I mean, he's still, I like Gilbert. I like his podcast, too. With the podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude's funny. Nice. Is that 10? Is that, is that 10? That was 10. That was 10. Okay, there we go. That's my list. 
Here's my question for, for y'all. If Dame and Giannis don't win this year, is it is it a fail? Oh, well, that is a – Is it a fail if they don't win this year? Do you want to get in that? You know, this is your employment. This is where you're trying to be at. Oh, I don't think it's a fail, though. If they don't win, I could I feel like other teams are either equally or better than them. I think there's a couple of teams better than Milwaukee. Like, I, I don't think that because they got – I think Dame does make them better, a lot better, but I don't think it makes them just dramatically better than other teams. I I don't think they're better than Boston. We, you think they're better than Boston? I don't think, I think they're Boston better than Boston. got an upgrade. I think, I think Drew Holiday helped Boston a lot. I think so too. I agree with that. Okay, I'm gonna answer Jimmy's question super quick. I think I don't think we have to win this year, but the issue becomes like even if you win, it doesn't guarantee that Giannis will stay. Because Giannis could very well still leave Milwaukee, and that's the only thing I'm concerned about. I feel that. Yeah. It's Jimmy. We thank you so much, bro, for getting on here with us. We love the, the fact that you took some time out for us, man. Thank you so much. Um, any shout outs for us? Nah, man. We don't shout. We don't give free promo, man. <laughs> <laughs> we don't give free promo out here, man. We <laughs> the people that love them know I love them, man. They don't they, we don't get free oh promo. God. Oh my god. All right. <laughs> Deshaun, any shout outs, bro? <laughs> I just want to first of all, I just want to say, yo, Jimmy, thank you so much for being on. But we, you gotta get back on the show again, bro. We gotta get no, you on the Patreon episode. Like, I, well, I've been, I've been playing. Damn, I'm about to sneeze. I've been planning on coming on. I've been like moving around and doing stuff. But I'll, this was fun. I'll definitely do it again, a hundred percent. That, but you know, um, shout out to you, Jimmy. Thank you so much, bro. We really appreciate that. Um, you know, next time you have a you have a camp or anything, just let me know. We'll try and I'll try and get in there. I'm sure Kashan will too as well. we'll oh yeah, definitely keep boys updated on everything. Uh, you know, shout out my boy, my boy New Owls. <laughs> he's, <Yeah. starting laughs> he's trying to get right, man. Go look at him. Go look at his store, man. Lord in the Stitch. He's based out of uh, he's based in San Francisco now. But any type of clothing or any attire you want, he can get it right for you. I promise. But. Like I said, thank you to everybody who's watching and, and thank you to the fans and shout out to, shout out to y'all for real. We really appreciate y'all coming on, coming here and watching us. Absolutely, Dre. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, guys, if you haven't already, though, be sure to subscribe to us on all streaming platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, that's where you can find us. Uh, be sure to follow us on Patreon as well, where we post exclusive content weekly. And be sure to turn into our, tune into our weekly live show on Instagram every Thursday at 9 p.m. Um, Dre, like you said, shout out to the fans. Nothing's possible without them. And Jimmy, thank you once again. Thank you so much, bro, for being on the show. It was fun for sure. Like, we got to do it again. Definitely, we definitely will. Dre's got to update his top his top ten. I didn't want to get on him, but it was it was it was a little shaky. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Perfect, perfect. Bye, guys. So, you can stay safe, be vigilant, make smart decisions. And until next time, guys, peace.